1: Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug LaMaurice and Stephen Means. For the first time in my basement, Stephen. What do you think?
0: First of all, this is a really nice basement. It's finished. The walls are painted.
1: There's like actual carpet. It doesn't smell. So so long-time listeners of Buckeye Talk, the basement for the moment does not smell like farts, which it had smelled like farts for a decade uh, but we redid the basement, my wife painted the walls, we got new carpet, we got a new uh, sectional sofa at Costco. You get it in five, no, six different pieces, mm-hmm. you bring it down here. Costco has great bargains on, uh, on sofas. So six pieces in the, uh, in the sofa, Stephen is counting them as we speak. Wait. No, no. Well, so you're on the sixth. Oh, the ottoman yeah. counts the ottoman, as a piece? I mean, it does when they're trying to sell you. I mean, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. That's so uh, so Stephen's in the basement for the first time. He's fresh off the Ohio State basketball victory over Iowa. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But you are here for our Justin Fields Buckeye Talk. Uh, I have been watching Justin Fields stuff all day. We're recording this very, very late Tuesday night. I watched the entire QB1 series that Justin Fields was on his senior year of high school. At least all the parts he was in. I watched a bunch of his high school highlights. I watched a bunch of his Georgia highlights. I watched the Tennessee game when he came in um, for some real snaps in the middle of that game. And I feel like I have a much better grasp on Justin Fields than what I did before. Steven, what have you done to study up for the gigantic Justin Fields Buckeye Talk podcast? So since I'm working on
0: a story, I've talked to a couple of people who cover Georgia's football team down there. And good old Georgia in the south of a, Southern of America, and just to get some insight there. Obviously, I've seen the QB one show as well. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I did not watch like the full show. I only watched parts that Justin Fields were was related to. Yeah. So like, cause like. With uh, with no no offense to the other QB ones, I just don't care about like what you guys have to bring to the table. Well,
1: the one guy seemed very nice. The guy who went to Iowa State seemed like a, a fine young man.
0: Yeah, him. Jake. I, I watched season one too. Jake Fromms on season one. Yeah. There's a guy who went to Wake Forest. I forget his name, but he was. They were decent people. Yeah, it's just you know you don't have any relation to like Ohio State, so I just don't really care that much about what you
1: have to say. As I said one time uh, when we were sitting in the press box after an Ohio State football game. And someone said, um, oh, wow, did you see the moon? Like, it was a glorious moon that Mm -hmm. evening. And I said, I don't cover the moon. See? Yeah. So, like, I don't care. (laughs) At all. If you're not paying me to know something, I don't want to know it. Bingo. That's all it is. So we only watch the Justin Fields stuff, but we have a pretty good grasp on Justin Fields. We're going to talk about Justin Fields as a dude. We're going to talk about Justin Fields as a runner. We're going to talk about Justin Fields as a thrower. We're going to talk about really how we think this is all going to go. We're doing Justin Fields week at Cleveland.com. I wrote a column about Justin Fields on Monday about if if all the coaches last year said that Dwayne Haskins would not have been ready to play at Ohio State in his second year in college. Why is Justin Fields going to be ready in his second year in college and his first year at Ohio State? I wrote a column about those comparisons. On Tuesday, Stephen wrote an analysis about the Ohio State quarterback room as a whole. Um, we're going to have um, a breakdown of all the quarterback situations in the Big Ten from Tim Bielek this week. We're going to have this podcast. Stephen has this story on Thursday talking about quarterback transfers, and we'll get into that a little bit. And then we have asked you guys for your feedback, and we're going to bring that back on Friday. I also have a thing I think I'm going to write on Friday, but we're going to we're trying to hit you with Justin Fields every week that every day this week because. Next Monday is the beginning of spring football practice for Ohio State. So we're building up. We did last week the podcast was the spring football preview. This is the all Justin Fields podcast with this small caveat, which we're going to do for about 10 minutes. How about those basketball Buckeyes?
0: Congratulations, Ohio State Buckeyes. You probably just punched your ticket into the
1: NCAA tournament. So couple things we want to talk about but the tournament is the main thing I've only gone to one game this year and when I went and I saw them a week ago against Northwestern I wrote no way are they making the tournament and all of a sudden they're a different team because just like the Ohio State football team they decided to pull a guy off the bench who hadn't played significant minutes the whole year and when they gave him a shot just like Brendan White and Chris Olave guess what he was good yeah he was
0: good But he was also the exact thing that they've been searching for this entire season.
1: So I didn't say his name because I'm going to say his last name wrong. You're the beat writer. You say his name. Justin Arns. It's not Arns. No. It's Arns. It's Arns. Justin Arns had 29 points. He did. He He had never had more than nine points, which was in the previous game. Correct. When I wrote about this team and said they stink, there's no way they're making the tournament, he had never scored more than like six points in the game. I'm pretty sure he's only played more than 10 minutes in a game. Like,
0: five times. Don't, like, quote me on that. I might be a little off. But, I'm yeah, like, the majority of his minutes this year have come in garbage time.
1: And when I was there at the Northwestern game, he played. He started the second half. And basically, Chris Holtman said he started him in the second half because he was clapping hard on the bench.
0: Yeah, like, I didn't realize. Listen, if I would have known my entire life that in order to go far in the game of basketball, all you had to do was show a little bit of enthusiasm, I'd probably be in the NBA right now. So... You were not an enthusiastic bench guy. I'm not saying I was an enthusiast, not an enthusiastic bench guy. I, I'm just saying that, like, I didn't realize it played this much of a role in why a guy can go from being a bench warmer to scoring 29 points against the number two team, twenty the number 22 team in the country.
1: I will say that had I not been cut from the seventh grade basketball <laughs> team after a skins versus shirts scrimmage where I had to be skins and I was body shaming myself up and down the court and trying to cover up my little uh, my little teenage man boobs and was so embarrassed about people seeing me with my shirt off that I couldn't even do anything on the basketball court. I was terrible anyway, but I still think if I had been named, if I was on the shirts team, because that was like, the, made the the, team. The, we went like five on five, like the last three or four spots. Yeah. And I think if I had been shirts, maybe I would have made the team as the last guy on the bench. But I can promise you this, Stephen, had I made that team, I would have clapped my butt off on the bench. <laughs> there you go. I would have been the clappingest MF-er ever in the history of middle school basketball. Holman would have loved you. Holman would have loved me. Now, no skills, That's good. but a lot of that. I mean, apparently all Justin Arons
0: can do is shoot because, you know, he's, he's a below average def- def- defender. He's not the best ball handler in the world. I mean, when you think of the typical shooter, he fits that build
1: so well. So is he part of what made Jared Sellinger so good mm-hmm. at Ohio State? When they, For his two years, when they were doing their thing the best, they did a lot of two-man game with mm-hmm. Jared Selinger and John Diebler, mm-hmm. where Jared Selinger was an excellent passer. If you doubled him, he would find a guy like John Diebler, and then John Diebler, if he caught a, a ball off a kickout and was squared up from three, he was going to make that a lot of the time. How much uh, – two questions here. Can Justin Arms? he's not going to score 29 every game. No. But can he do this, some level of this on a consistent basis? And if he does, what does that do for Caleb Wesson? He can hit three threes a game. He can give you nine points very easily.
0: And the reason why – and maybe even up to 11. I'll, I'll, I'll give him 11. I'll give him a layup too. And the reason why is this didn't start today. It started a couple of games ago where – they were kind of overplaying some of Ohio State's perimeter guys when Caleb got the ball inside. And it gave opportunities for, like, a lot of backdoor cuts. And Justin Irons, one game, took a lot of advantage. I'm pretty sure that's the game he started in the second half and he ended the game before. Yeah, so Northwestern game. He started the second half of that game and scored four point points. Both of those points were assisted on by Caleb Weston on backdoor cuts. So that's where that type of stuff starts. And then against Maryland, he hit some big shots. No
1: offense. Go ahead. That didn't start crap. He scored four points listen, in seven minutes Listen, listen Northwestern. Listen. It, it did. It did. Northwestern could it, beat it, a middle school what I'm, team. I'm not saying
0: that, like, those four points are why he's now scoring 29 points. What I'm saying is you saw an idea of what it looks like when Justin Orange is on the court with Caleb Wesson. I'm not – no, obviously four points doesn't lead to 29 points. But what I'm saying is those types of actions were happening two games ago. Now, you go to today – He's a bench he's been a bench warmer all year, if we're gonna be honest. He's been a bench warmer. So he's probably not a high priority on Iowa Scouting Report or Maryland Scouting Report or Purdue Scouting Report. Well, probably not Purdue because of what he just did. But for the most part, he probably hasn't been on anybody's scouting report. So that plays a role in why he was getting a lot more up, open shots than a shooter should probably be getting. But what he did for Caleb Weston was he allowed Caleb to play one-on-one basketball, which is something Caleb has not had the luxury of being able to do this year because teams have literally been daring them to shoot the ball because they can't shoot it. So they're con- consistently sending two and three guys at Caleb Wesson, which has made Caleb's job a lot harder. Today, Caleb Wesson had 18 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, and a block. And you wouldn't have known that unless you looked at the box score because Justin Orange has 29 points and hit 6 three-pointers in the second half.
1: Prior to two day- games ago, Justin Ards had six three-pointers for the whole year. That's true. Then he was three for five against Maryland on mm-hmm. three-pointers, six for ten against Iowa. He had six three-pointers for the whole year. Yep. So, last two questions about this before we get to Justin Fields. I compared him, we just said, it, we compared him to Brendan White and Chris Olave, two very high-profile things. Brendan White... Got a got a chance to play at safety for Ohio State because of an injury this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, not because of an injury because Jordan Fuller was kicked out of a game mm-hmm. um, on a targeting penalty, and then Chris Olave got a chance to play because Austin Mack got hurt. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, these guys wouldn't have played, mm-hmm. and like Chris Olave ripped up Michigan, and he wouldn't have been on the field. Is is this? And people criticize. was like sort of wondering like what's going on? Right. Like why weren't these guys playing? Is this coaching malfeasance? Like, what are they doing? How how did this guy have zero role? Zero. Zero. Zero role. Mm. And now this. Like, what? Whose fault is that? Because I know people like to make things happy and say, hey, wow, this is great. Me? I like to say... (laughs) Why wasn't it happy two months ago, mm-hmm. you goofballs? It doesn't make any sense. I'll go fifty-fifty. It's fifty
0: percent on Chris Holtman and the coaching staff because obviously they're the people in charge of the rotations and putting who who and saying who's going to be in the game. And fifty percent of it is just listen. He had the opportunity and he made the most of it. Now here is why it is Chris Holtman's fault. Chris Holtman does not have five starters. He has four. He has Luther Mohammed, CJ Jackson, Andre Wesson, and Caleb Wesson. Those are his four starters. That fifth spot has been Kyle Young. It's been Keyshawn Woods. It's been Dwayne Washington Jr. It's been Musa Jallo. And now and now it's it's Justin Orange. It's been so many people. And we've asked him about this in a very I've specifically have asked him about this a, a a few times over the cu- past few weeks of is that position, is that fifth guy like just depending on a matchup, and what goes into why you pick who's going to be that fifth guy? Do you ride a guy who's hot? And he kind of did that with Musa. Musa had some pretty solid games, and so he stuck with Musa for a little bit. He said that Kyle Young would probably be like the set-in-stone fifth starter, but he missed three games to the stress fracture, and he's still not 100% healthy from that. And so it, you know you can't put a guy out there in a consistent starter and play him starter minutes when his conditioning isn't necessarily where it needs to be because he can't always practice because of that leg. And Keyshawn Woods, he feels like Keyshawn Woods comes better, is a better player when he comes off the bench. Obviously, tonight he had a pretty solid game as a starter, but he him, he and Keyshawn Woods both agree that it's probably better if he's the sixth man, but plays like starter type minutes. So, it's a lot of diff, it's their fault because you don't have a consistent five, and so you're just kind of throwing guys out there and seeing what sticks to the wall. So, Okay, yeah, Justin Orange had a really good game, but what if two games from now he's not having a really good game and you got to throw somebody else in there? And all of a sudden, you know, you're looking again for a fifth guy because all of a sudden the guy you had in there because you were riding him while he was hot is no longer hot. Now, here's the circumstance. Luther Muhammad was shooting 45% from both the field and the three-point line for the majority of the season. He's gone cold his last like four or five games here. I'm Coming into this game, I think the stat was like he's made like six of 30 of his last shots. Dwayne Washington has been a roller coaster this year. Some games he's like this he has 10 points and a half. Some games he can't find the rim. Musa Jallo doesn't really bring you much offensively. Kyle Young was injured, and Jadon Lede is pretty much not going to have a role this year. So because of that, you go to the next guy, and that guy is Justin Orange, who probably should have had a role simply because he is a shooter amongst a team that doesn't have a lot of shooters, and he just kind of fit what they needed tonight. They needed a guy to be able to space— Iowa went to a two-three zone for a while, which kind of forces you to shoot three-pointers. Well, Justin Orange loves to shoot three-pointers, and he knocked them down tonight.
1: All right, so this is where we are with the basketball team, and we'll end on this for now. Ohio State is eight and nine in the Big Ten, and what are they? Nineteen and ten overall. Um, eighteen and t- eighteen, and, 10? 18 yeah, and ten. Eighteen overall. and ten overall. All right. 18 and 10 overall, 8 and 9 in the Big Ten. That's seventh place in the Big Ten right now. Mm-hmm. They finish at Purdue, at Northwestern, home against Wisconsin. They're going to lose at Purdue. Correct. They should win at Northwestern. Northwestern's last, they stink. And then they're going to lose at home to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you would think, okay, I, I don't. So if they go 1 and 2 in those games and they are 19 and 12 heading into the Big Ten tournament, if they're the seven seed, the way standings are right now, they would play the 10 seed in the first round, the 10 seed's Rutgers at the moment. So if they do this, if this is how they finish the season, lose to Purdue, beat Northwestern, lose to Wisconsin, finish 19 and 12, beat Rutgers in the first round of the Big Ten tournament to move to 20 and 12. Then as the seven seed, they'd play the two seed who's going to be either Purdue or Michigan, maybe Michigan State. It's going to be a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. And they lose to that team. They're not going to beat that team. No. So if they do that, and they finish twenty, let's see, they're. They'd twenty, ages, they're 19, 20 and thirteen. They'd be twenty and thirteen. Mm-hmm. Are they in? Yeah. They so it. this got them in. I think. Yeah. As long as they beat Northwestern, they're in. And and then they don't lose in the first round. That first round of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. So they do not have to beat another good team to get in. No. All they have to do is beat teams they're expected to beat at this point. Because I thought they weren't going to get in because I thought if they only beat Northwestern and win that first Big Ten game, they don't win this Iowa game tonight. That's not enough to get in. No. So this is like their first decent win in a while. Mm hmm. Iowa certainly is a cut below the top four or five Big Ten teams. Iowa's in the top twenty five, it's a good win, but it this is it it's not like beating Purdue, but you think this is enough. Yeah. Okay. Right now, Bracketology has him in at number 10, just for the record. So I didn't think they were getting in because I didn't know that Justin Arns, who at the game I was at a week ago, was getting playing time based on clapping. I didn't know that he was going to score 29 points against a top 25 team. That's my bad. I don't think anybody knew I, I that. Didn't, I didn't know that.
0: I think everybody's had fault. Like, wow,
1: how do you go from clapping to almost 30 points? Because I, I remember when I was at I said to Chris Holtman, sort of like, so – uh, to paraphrase my question, it was basically, so that guy played because he clapped, mm-hmm. and he sort of said, well, it wasn't only clapping. Right. But it was partly clapping. Yeah. So he clapped himself into 29 points. Basically, he didn't complain that he wasn't playing. I mean, again, see, if you just would have clapped and kept your mouth shut and quit complaining about stuff, <laughs> who knows? You wouldn't be in my basement at midnight. It's true. That is uh, for sure. All right, listen. That's our basketball roundup. We're going to take a brief break for Steven to consume his final. You got the box combo? Would you get four or five fingers? I got five, but I'm probably not going to finish. Five right fingers right this late at night? It's a big ask. It's a big ask. I mean, I'm 24. You are 24. I'll be okay. Two fingers down, three fingers to go. When Steven is done with those fingers, we'll be back with you on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back. Steven ate one finger. We yeah. He's got he's got a finger in his mouth. Finger in bread. I eat the bread <laughs> The bread's so good. Okay, so we're gonna get into Justin Fields, but before we do, I thought I'd read a couple of the more recent reviews, the reviews uh, since last week's podcast, because I thought before we get into a serious discussion about Justin Fields, we may as well make me and Stephen uh, feel bad about ourselves. Okay. What do we do now? Um. Let's see. Two-star review from trying to post a review. This podcast is getting less interesting. I honestly feel Stephen will look back on this time with Doug as unenduring. He tries to make sense, but really never knows where the non-stopping Doug is going or will go next. It's like he's being set up. You have talent, Stephen. You are not full of yourself and have good instincts. Thanks, man. Which I read... The end of that is not there, I, in contrast to me, who is full of himself and does not have good instincts. Uh, keep it coming. Dane from the Ville. Really enjoy the show. Doug, you've rolled with a number of co-pilots, and the show continues. Lay off the diet drinks, water, coffee, or tea, my friend. Hello to Tim B. when he shows up again. Now this one's mean about Steven. Yeah. Used to be so good. One star. <laughs> Yeah. This used to be my favorite podcast with Doug, Bill, and Tim. Now the clown show with Doug and Steven is hard to listen to. Doug's shtick is to just try to be negative and super cautious about anything Ohio State related. You're not going to want to listen to my Justin Fields statement. <laughs> if you are used to be so good, Derek27892, you might want to turn off this week's podcast. You are not going to like what I have to say. Um He is super cautious about anything Ohio State related, which he just plays off as being, quote, real and not a fan. I understand not everything in Buckeye land isn't butterflies and roses, but you would think we were Michigan the way he talks about us and the quality of the team we have. Steven, in my opinion, has been a very poor addition. Thank you. They like to describe him as the young guy to balance old guy Doug. In my opinion, he is a basketball guy who doesn't know much about football and doesn't do his homework before recording. I keep listening because I hope things will get back to how they were before. But this duo is rough. Okay, so it's eleven thirty at night, and everyone hates us. And let's dig into Justin Fields. Let's do this. That felt really good, actually. I mean, we—I mean, like he said, "Keep it real" in quotation marks. That was real. Yeah, we kept that real really hard. Yeah, we kept that so real that, like, I feel sadness in my tummy. (laughs) It hurt a little
0: bit. It hurt.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll keep moving. But listen, like, if we can dish it out, we've got to be able to take it. Sure. We hope you guys hang with us. Um, again, the basement doesn't smell like farts, so that's progress. Everybody's All right. a critic. Including us. Yeah. Including us. We're going to start with Justin Fields again. We, we have a much better sense of who he is as a player. And, and not that you get to know a guy through documentary, but um, Stevens talked to some people. Um, I think he's, we at least we have, we have some better read on him as a dude. So... Let's talk about Justin Fields, the person, first of all, and the path that sort of got him to Ohio State. On that show, QB1, which is on Netflix now, season one, Tate Martell's in that, season two, Justin Fields is in that. Um, It's a 10-episode thing. In there, he kept talking about, and this is old news on his recruiting, but you're an Ohio State fan, he wasn't thinking about Ohio State, so you didn't follow his recruiting super hard, but he was talking about Florida State, Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, USC a little bit, Um, but in the end, he was a Georgia kid who ended up going to Georgia, and that seemed – he was also at one time committed to Penn State because I remember when he committed to Penn State, and we did a podcast, and I said, like, this is like a new level of Penn State stuff that, like, here comes Penn State, and then they lost him, Um but he, he just seemed like a Georgia kid going to Georgia. And he had his announcement ceremony was in front of his whole high school on the football field. Everybody's sitting in the stands. Mm-hmm. He has a Georgia T-shirt underneath his high school jersey. He pulls that off. He puts on the Georgia hat. He's all Georgia all the way. So I will say at the start of this, this is not – even in a world where quarterback transfers are becoming more and more common and a lot of the highly rated guys transfer, this is not – the ideal way that I would want for any team to get its quarterback, that he never thinks about you in high school. He goes somewhere else because he thinks he can win the job. He can't win the job, and now he's looking for a place to play. He said when he came here, when you got, when we talked to him on signing day, and you you talked to him, Stephen. He said this was a business decision, mm-hmm. and we talked about this some then, like transfer, looking for a place to play, who never thought about you in recruiting. And now is making a business decision to come to you. This is not a criticism of Justin Fields. Not great. Even in a world where it's becoming the norm. Dwayne Haskins was committed to Maryland. And hadn't been offered by Ohio State. And they wanted to like sort of have him hang around. And he wanted to commit. And so When Ohio State did come back around on Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, there's a video of Dwayne Haskins in the Woody wearing an Mm -hmm. Ohio State jersey. He had a real connection to Ohio State. There's no video of Justin Fields walking around in an Ohio State jersey. So I'm I'm not saying that every quarterback you have to recruit and every player you have to recruit has to be a fan of your school from when he's a kid. I'm saying this is not how I would choose to get a quarterback. They felt a little desperate. Tate Martell is not a Ryan Day quarterback, as you have written, Stephen. I get that, and I just want to put that out there. Do you do you agree on some level? Do you do you agree like some minor percent? Do you totally not agree, or do you absolutely agree with my take on that? I think his
0: connection to Ohio State is Quincy Avery, and it's not necessarily to Ohio State. It's to the fact that he and Dwayne Haskins have a mutual fr- mutual person that they, they both, you know, have worked out with and trained under. And that's Quincy Avery. And so it, it's, it's, I don't think it's as much as it's, he made it very clear that he feels like Ryan day can get him to the NFL, which is the business decision. Part of why he's here. I think the reason he has that mindset is because he watched what Dwayne Haskins did and said, Oh, we work out with the same guy. We're getting the same type of teaching. I can do something similar to that. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 50 yards and 4,000, I'm sorry, 50 touchdowns and 4,000 yards, but I can do something similar. I can be a Heisman candidate. Like if I have the same guys in my in my corner that this guy had and we work out together all the time, we're both you know high level recruits, I can do the same thing. But
1: like you're good with that. <laughs> like from the Ohio State standpoint. Like that's if that's how you got your quarterback, that's 100% no problem. That's how you got your quarterback. I think it's a fine line when you're talking about college sports where
0: a, pl- where a student athlete can say the words, I, this was a business decision. I don't know if like – like we've had the conversations about have we gotten going too far left with how transferring is going where you can mm-hmm. just kind of bounce around. I think it's under that same umbrella of you know, you're making a business decision, but the whole point of a business dis- decision is there's usually money involved. Well, there's no money involved here, so like, and you're here for two years. Like a right. business decision with in this magnitude is you're going to take this year and you're going to you know catapult yourself up in a draft stock. You're going to be here for two years, and so for you to already have that mindset for the next 24 months of your life, I don't think that's a good way for any college athlete to think of a situation. So I don't know if it's if it's it's not a negative for Ohio State because they got a five star quarterback, but that is a negative as far as where this could be
1: headed if it works. So he seems like a great kid. You watch the show. Mm-hmm. And and again, people who think I'm critical, I mean, I'm the same amount of critical I've been from the first minute I covered this beat and the first minute this podcast started, um, which is if I, I just say what I think and I have no allegiance to anything and I just say what I think. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. But I only say what I think. He seems like a great kid from a really good family mm-hmm. from the show. He has a very involved dad. He has a very involved stepmom. He has a very involved mom. He breaks his finger at the end of his senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And when he wakes up in the operating room – and you guys can watch the show on QB1. They're it's kind of like a there. funny scene. He's eating graham crackers in slow motion. And there are these people who absolutely – this this kid is the most important person in their life. And they're laughing and he's eating graham crackers. But they're totally invested in him. And there's not a lot of – there's a lot of kids in the world. There's a lot of people in the world who don't have three people in their lives who are as invested in their success and um, their dreams as – and, and supporting that person as Justin Fields has. So- and even
0: to go further than that, like, how it starts off, how we're introduced to, to Justin Fields within the show is, you know, they're at photo day. And, like, he's being a normal kid. Like, uh, to go to season one, when you got another guy who's got a connection to Ohio State, you could – Tate Martell is famous from the get-go. I don't know, like – for them both to have been five-star quarterbacks, Justin Fields just seems a lot more like a normal, regular guy than what Tate Martell was, where it seemed like it was the Tate Martell experience. Like, it was, hey, man, go watch this show because Tate Martell's on there being Tate Martell. Well, with Justin Fields, it, it I mean, it was kind of boring. Like, you were expecting yeah. to see more from, like, a five-star guy, and you just didn't get that. He was just a regular dude, which isn't a problem. That's just, like, what it was, though.
1: But, so I didn't watch the Tate Martell series. Again, this is... The show is called QB1. It's on the Complex Network when it first came out, Mm -hmm. but it's now on Netflix. If you search QB1, and a lot of you guys have watched this long before Stephen and I watched this, Tate Martell, there's three high school quarterbacks each year. Mm -hmm. Tate Martell is one of the three quarterbacks in season one. Justin Fields is one of the three quarterbacks in season two. Tate Martell, I didn't watch Tate Martell. You did, at least some of it. Tate Martell is... What percent jerkier than Justin Fields on the show? I'm not going to say he's jerkier. I'll just
0: say the combination of him being who he is, along with being the starting quarterback for the number one team in the country, that was an experience. Justin Fields went to a regular, like, Tay Martell transferred to go play at that high school, after right. freshman year high school. Justin Fields went to his like regular down the street high school they just happened to have some other division one guys on the team he was friends with them. one of them was showing up late to photo day which they made a whole comedy bit about But yeah Justin he went to regular school and was it like he was there's a scene where he's on the boat hanging out with his friends like he was doing regular stuff he wasn't yeah. people weren't him what he was tweeting wasn't like
1: Breaking news Right at that time. Now, of course, now it is. Like, seemed like a grounded guy. Yeah. Really nice house, like pool in the backyard. Yeah, he like, just happened to be really, really good
0: at playing football.
1: But like really grounded guy and a really grounded family. Mm-hmm. So like that part of it, like how he's – he seemed like a little quiet. And again, I, I'm not, we're not going to pretend we know Justin Fields, but you were there when he talked. Is that – he's just a little more – He's a little more laid back, a little more quiet. Yeah. I don't know if shy is the right word, but he's just – he's not as boisterous as as some quarterbacks are. Talking to him that day and then watching the show,
0: it now makes sense why he was like that. I mean, that's not – you know, you got camera. He's not the, – the, he doesn't see the camera and it's like showtime. You know what I'm saying? This is just – it's a part of what he does with his life. It's not necessarily a moment for him to be on display. And maybe he'll get more comfortable with us as, like, time goes on because we're going to be talking in the next two years. But, like, first impression, it was very similar to what that show was. So, like, good
1: dude. Yeah. All right. So here's my next take on that. There's a scene in that show where uh, his team is losing. And he has a sequence where he's hit. uh, And he fumbles. And it's recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. And he comes out. And the next series, they get the ball right back. Mm -hmm. And he fumbles again on the very first play of the next series. He has consecutive fumbles. And he he like walks down the sideline and um says like seeks out his dad, who who is either a police officer. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure a police I, he officer. might be like the 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 maybe the he's around the school a lot, it seems like maybe he's the the resource oh. officer for that high school or something. Yeah. So he's on the sideline in uniform. He's in uniform a lot. Mm. Um as, a, as in an official capacity. And he, like, seeks out his dad on the sideline, and they have, you know, they have the mics everywhere. And he's saying to his dad, like, Dad, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And his dad is just telling him, you know, your teammates need to see you as a leader. You know, don't Typical let this get you down. So, so he seeks out his dad in the middle of a game on the sideline, which was a little unusual. And he was a little freaked out. He's a high school kid. It happens. And then, like, he came out and, like, ran 80 yards for a touchdown whatever, but they lost. And as soon as that game ended, he, like, stood up in front of his teammates and said, like, that's on me. That's on me. I'm the reason we lost. And This coach said, nobody loses because of one player. We win and lose together, all this stuff. But he takes that on himself. He was a little freaked out in the middle of that game, right, mm-hmm. when some bad things happened. And the way he plays from the highlights of this high school series, there seem to be a lot of moments to me where he is trying to do things on his own. Yeah. that he's trying to make a play by himself. And we'll get into him as a runner as a th- and a thrower because I think there's a lot of ground to cover there. For a kid who, through the lens of this show as a high school senior, I felt like at times was putting too much on himself, was trying to do too much himself, then goes to Georgia, wants to compete right away, doesn't get to compete as much as he wants to, and the minute like he can't win that job is out. And now, like again, a lot of guys transfer. I don't know how many guys transfer up, kind of, or sideways. Like Hunter Johnson left Clemson. He was a five-star recruit. He was in between Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence got there. Hunter Johnson saw the writing on the wall. He went to Northwestern. Northwestern's like, my God, we'll send a limo for Hunter Johnson. We don't care how we get Hunter Johnson. This is a miracle that we got him. Justin Fields, like whatever Hunter Johnson does at Northwestern is great. Everyone at Northwestern is going to love him Mm. because he's not supposed to go win a national championship. Justin Fields is supposed to come win a national championship. He's leaving the school where he couldn't win the starting job to go to a school where, and we'll get to our poll on Cleveland.com, but where he's supposed to win the Heisman and win the national championship this year (laughs) after not winning the starting job last year. I am curious about Justin Fields trying to do too much at his new school with his new teammates taking a lot on himself and perhaps having moments where he struggles this year and it is very hard on him because he is going to a place where this is not oh he's the best quarterback we've ever had. It's like okay, he's supposed to be as good as Dwayne Haskins, who's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL. And like, I don't think that's going to happen right away. Uh, maybe like that applies to every high schooler in the country. Am I making too much of that scene? Is that just what 18-year-old kids do there? 18-year-old kids who have high standards for themselves, which you want kids to have? Am I making too much of it? Or is there anything there that this might be a kid who puts a lot of pressure on himself. To
0: kind of segue it into football a little bit. <clears throat> I talked to Dean Lecky. I hope I'm saying your last name correctly. If not, I do apologize. From Dogs 247 which is their 247 Sports um, website down there. And one of the things he talked about when Justin Fields was at Georgia in the limited time he did play, he talked about a sequence in the Auburn game where he went through his reads, but then just tucked in and ran it himself now it ended up obviously working out in his favor but he felt like a lot he, from what he he said to me it seemed like a lot of people were wondering man you talked that really fast and really didn't like let the play develop yet and the one thing I, I i don't like about dual threat quarterbacks when you put that label on people is it seems like with dual threats the first time there's an opportunity to run they're just going to take off whether it's It's for the betterment of the team or not. Dwayne Haskins was the polar opposite of that, where it's like maybe it seemed like he should have ran and he didn't because he wanted to stand in there and and use his arm, which obviously wasn't an idiotic decision because it worked out in his favor. But there were definitely times where like he should have probably run and he didn't. I think there's going to be a lot of times where, especially. This is the
1: dude part. This is the dude part. You're getting into the running and the throwing part. I know. Okay. All right. Keep going. (laughs) All right. I have like a thousand thoughts on the way, on the thing you're going down this path on. Okay. Well, then let
0: me not segue here then. I I think that was how he was at 17. Obviously, he's not going to be able to do that now. He's not going to be able to, you know, find his dad in Ohio Stadium. Amongst a hundred thousand people and have that nice intimate moment. So I think it was great that he could do that then, but he's gonna have to use Mike Mike Yursich or Ryan Day to do
1: that now, or Corey Dennis or somebody. How how much pressure do you think is on this kid? And, and like and I hate I hate this kind of <laughs> yeah, questioning because it's always like it's like everybody like everybody wants to win every game yeah. they play. Whether you're playing. Elementary school basketball, yeah. or you're playing in the Super Bowl. So, like everybody feels pressure to win because it's what you want to have happen. But this does, there is a a level of expectation for a kid who was the number one or number two recruit in the country, went to the first place, yeah. and like it didn't work. And now it's sort of like has to work now. I think it's that plus what happened before he got here i
0: think there's now a standard not necessarily the record breaking but the the way we want things that fans kind of want things to look on top of the fact that this is probably had he come here out of high school he would have been i think either number one or number two or number three highest recruit ohio state has ever gotten so up there with like the terrell priors of the world um when you add all those layers to it he's under a lot of pressure like like you said like looking at how people are answering this poll People don't really care that he's never taken a snap at Ohio State had very limited playing time at Georgia. They think this guy is going to be a
1: Heisman candidate and a national championship contender 10 months from now. The, the thing that's so interesting about this, and, and there's some good stories out there that you guys can read. I'm reading a story right now from Mike Griffith uh, at Dog, Dog Nation talking to people. This is around um, the Sugar Bowl. But talking to people, talking to Herb Street and, and some other analysts about this whole situation, and, and part of this is that people are just surprised that Justin Fields decided to go to Georgia, and 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 no. it, like the the offensive coordinator is saying, it has been tough. There's no question about that. There's only one quarterback walking on the field, so you can feel that tension a little bit. That comes with it when you both when you have both at quarterback, you're trying to utilize their skills the best you can to help your team win a football game. So. Like th- he went into a situation that created tension because they had, they had a, a, a big time quarterback who was young, and he went there anyway, and they took him. So th- there is some surprise that that he chose this, that he did choose that. Like, is that a plus for Justin Fields? This whole thing, and again, I I, I don't, I'm not trying to hold an 18 year old's decision against him. I'm just trying to, like, analyze the things that have happened Mm -hmm. as we're trying to figure out what Justin Fields' season and career at Ohio State is going to be like. He chose to go to a school where the starting quarterback was a freshman who nearly led them to the national championship. Mm -hmm. And he went expecting to beat that guy out because when he didn't beat him out, he left. Like, is that a positive? Like, he has all this confidence in himself or is it is it the way this transpired sort of like like what was everybody thinking and then does that lead you to think well like again if it doesn't go perfect here right away how are Justin Fields and his family going to think about that I think it's a little bit
0: of both here's why it explains why he chose Ohio state you just explained going across when you transfer usually guys transfer down you don't transfer to another school where the expectation is not going to change it's the same thing which is exactly what it's going to be at Ohio State and probably even more so because it is Ohio State football but there is a part of it where it's like let's take Trevor Lawrence for for instance he kind of did the same thing but he's probably the better option and Clemson was in a position where, like, as long as they kept winning, they were going to be in the college football playoff because their schedule didn't necessarily afford them a loss, but they, no one thought that they were going to lose any of those games on their regular season schedule. They're in the ACC. So Dabo was in a position where, like, he could mess around the first four or five weeks until he actually settled in on a quarterback, and that just happened to be Trevor Lawrence over, over Kelly Bryant. <laughs> Excuse me. With Justin Fields... I don't think that situation ever really made sense. And obviously, like, if you're Kirby, you're going to take a five-star quarterback. But I don't think, I'm not surprised that people felt like, why are you coming here? The the chances of you, how it was explained to me was, what that whole situation was, it wasn't so much anything Justin Fields could do to win the job. It was, what is Jake Fromm going to do to make sure he doesn't lose the
1: job? So let so let me ask Did you get the sense from the people you talked to Did just was Justin Fields mishandled by Georgia in any way Did you have any I, I, No okay. I think
0: it was just more Jake Fromm did what he was supposed to do um, and it, it it had like Justin Fields didn't do anything wrong as far as from a competition standpoint. It's just they've got Jake Fromm, who literally just led them to a national championship game. And then on top of that, they've got Jacob Eason, another five-star guy. Justin Fields went to a
1: situation where you've already got two other five-star quarterbacks. So Well, Eason was gone, right? Eason left because he got scared off by Because Fromm took Eason's job. Correct. And then Eason left. Yeah. So it's like Fromm did the same thing. Yeah. But Fromm Won. successfully took the job. Now, yeah. Eason got hurt, and that opened the door a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he also kept the job when Eason came back. I don't know. It's a strange thing. Believe. Like when you, when you believe in yourself and it works out, it's you're like, wow, you believe in yourself when you, when you believe in yourself and like, it doesn't work out. What were out? you thinking? That's every decision though. Whenever yeah. it works out, your are genius. When it doesn't, it's what were you thinking? So, I mean, there, there is, and I was reading through, so there was a, you know, a transcript out there of, of the conversation he had with Ohio state writers when he was here. Um, and I wish I, – I, it sounds like he's not going to go down this road, but like you'd really like to delve into sort of like what happened at Georgia and his mindset. There was a game there. They lost to LSU, mm-hmm. and he only played five snaps in that game, and Jake Fromm didn't look very good. And it seems like from the stories you read, everybody thought he was going to play a lot the next week. Like, hey, Georgia just lost. The quarterback didn't look great. The door is cracked. And then the next week, he didn't play at all. Mm -hmm. It was the first game of the year he didn't play at all. So I'm sure that was like a signal to him. That was like the eighth game of the season. He didn't play at all against Florida. He played in 12 of the 14 games. And at that point in the season, he was averaging about 14 snaps a game, Mm -hmm. two-thirds of the way through. The only game of the year where he played more than From was the UMass game, which is all the all the SEC teams yeah. have a have a lousy game in the second-to-last week of the year before their or rivalry Arbors. game. So against UMass, he played a lot. He was still only 5 of 8 for 121 yards passing, and he carried the ball seven times for 100 yards. And there was a quote in another story that I read where someone overheard him saying to a teammate after a game, like, yeah, all I did was go in there and ha- and hand off kind of a thing that a lot of people were writing that when he did play – He didn't really get to do anything. Mm -hmm. So I I guess there may be a thing of beyond like you didn't win the job. It's like you felt like I didn't even get a chance because when they did play me, like early in the season, I was watching a game that was like the fourth game of the year. um, And they had a graphic. He had played like 25% of the snaps then. And the way they were talking about – This situation with Justin Fields early in the year was they were comparing the Alabama situation, the Clemson situation, and the Georgia situation. Mm -hmm. And the Alabama situation was Tua was starting, Jalen Hurts was playing some, but Tua was the younger guy who had already taken the job. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts ended up transferring. The Clemson situation, Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence were kind of equal at that point early on. Kelly Bryant had just decided he was transferring because they had just named Trevor Lawrence the the starter. So that was the young guy took the job. Mm And then the third situation, Justin Fields was playing about 25% of the snaps early on. The young guy did not take the job. But in all those situations, the guy who wasn't the starter left. Jalen Hurts left, Kelly Bryant left, and Justin Fields left. Mm -hmm. So the idea that you're at a high-profile place, you're a great quarterback, you're not the starter, everybody in those situations is leaving. Mm -hmm. It's just... The other situations were old guys getting run off by the young guys who were clearly better. And in this situation Justin Fields did not was unsuccessful in running off Jake Fromm so he decided to leave himself. Mm-hmm. So in the end does that does that tell Ohio State fans anything about Justin Fields? Is there legitimately anything to take away from that or is it should Ohio State fans look at Justin Fields the same way they would as a guy who came here out of high school? Yeah, just like I mean, 'cause that's like the norm now with quarterback. It's only one quarterback on
0: the field at all times. So that's gonna become a norm where like if Joe Burrow did it. He didn't win a job and he left. Tate Martell left before he even had a chance to win the job. Like this is this is the norm now. Like if you're a high profile quarterback and you don't win a job, you're probably gonna leave. So like this is not something that should be any type of, you know, I guess like attack on Justin Fields' character or anything like that. He's just doing what everybody else in college football at that position is doing.
1: Yeah, okay. I I, I think I think you can think the ideal path is to recruit a kid out of high school and get him to come to your yeah, school. Yeah, of course. But also not think that there's anything wrong with Justin Fields or the way that this...
0: Especially at a position where only one guy is on the field. It's yeah. very hard to go a whole season when you're just... Alternating quarterbacks. Ohio well, State tried it with Cardo Do- Jones and JT Barrett. Alabama tried it for a little bit with Hurst and Tua. Uh Clemson tried it for a little bit with Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. You've seen people try Michigan tried it one year with Denard Robertson and um I'm
1: forgetting his name right now. Um, oh. oh yeah. Um the the uh the guy who knelt <laughs> next to the when JT was yeah.
0: And decided to change his number to number ninety five. as a quarterback. It's no, it's Wayne. No, I'm that's not important the point of the matter is we've seen other teams try to do this and it never works you with the quarterback you got to have one person out there and so the guy who doesn't win the job is probably going to leave you're looking up his name aren't you Devin Gardner. Devin Gardner. I knew yeah. it was a D. They tried it one year, and like it was very clear that when Denard Robinson was on the field, he was they were running, and when Devin Gardner was on the field, they were probably going to have a pass play. It does not work without the quarterback position. You got to pick one, and with the understanding that the guy you don't pick most of the time is going to be gone at the end of that
1: season. Okay, I think that we'll we'll get it. We, we don't know exactly what happened in Justin Fields' head, so he's here. I will say my only concern is will he perhaps put too much pressure on himself and what will that mean in the moment when it happens? And I think what it might mean, I'm going to tell you now what my conclusion on this whole situation is, which is I think there is going to be a bump or two in 2019 and then this is not going to be a national championship team in 2019 because Justin Fields is going to have some really high highs, but I am absolutely expecting a couple low lows some unexpected lows and then like in 2020 look out so that is going to be my conclusion here and when we get to this poll about what you guys are voting about what you think what your expectations are for Justin Fields we'll get into that I just think there are a couple things here that you have to have a reasonable expectation and let's get into him as a runner, and then we'll get to thrower, and then we'll get to expectations. Because people are throwing some comparisons out here, and I know Trevor Lawrence as a true freshman just led Clemson to a national title. And I know Johnny Manziel, as a redshirt freshman, his first time as a starter, won the Heisman Trophy. And I know. I know. I know it's happened. I know, I know that. Jameis Winston did both. But, but I also want to... Hold those out there as like rare things. And I also want to talk about some of the examples that other people are bringing up that, like, are not at all like Justin Fields, just to make sure as you guys say, well, what about this guy? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you why that guy is not at all like Justin Fields in 2019. Let's talk about Justin Fields as a runner, watching him in that series. There's a lot of, again, in this QB1 show. I watched, uh, I watched a lot of high school highlights. I watched the QB1 show. I watched a lot of Georgia highlights. What is your impression of Justin Fields running the football? He's amazing. I mean, he's like night and
0: day a huge upgrade from what Haskins was as a runner. I think the okay. problem... Let's
1: stop there. I don't know. Dwayne Haskins sucks at running. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll say it to his face, like again, it's like everyone, He'll say it. everyone will, and then something like it's like everyone says, like when Stephen A. Smith said that Dwayne Haskins was a runner no. first, everybody laughed at that. But then I felt like Dwayne Haskins thought it went too far that way, and he was like, "Well, I can, yeah, man, sort of." Yeah, and it's like all right, it's I, okay. Like, I know you had like the one clip where you lowered your shoulder on the sideline against Maryland or whatever, but like, dude, you, you can't run, and we don't care that you can't run. Yeah, you do something else really well. The point
0: I'm making is, I think he's a. He's one heck of a runner. I think the problem is going to be early on. I think one of the problems Dave's going to have to deal with is stay in the pocket and let things progress. Okay, but let me
1: ask you this. That's what you want? Do you want Justin Fields staying in the pocket? I didn't say staying in the pocket and just being like a Peyton Manning. Or a Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, but be patient. Why? Really? Well, I'm asking because what I'm getting to is like, I don't think the offense can look at all like it looked last year. No, but like not one percent. I think as a
0: quarterback, you've got to allow your progressions to go through, and then after that, okay, take off, go have fun, and make a play. But it shouldn't be, oh, my first read's not open, I'm gone. It should never be that.
1: The, his legs, as he's he's a heck of a runner. They should be the bonus. Okay, so that, so that's what should. What do you think's going to happen in twenty okay. nineteen? Do you think Dwayne? Do you think Justin Fields, after spring football mm-hmm. and preseason camp, is going to start the season going through his progressions and not taking off right away? I think there's going. I think this is exactly how it's going to go.
0: Was, the first game they played Florida Atlantic first, so I think that game he tries he tries to overgo through his progressions because. Well, they're the more talented team, and they can do that. They When you play teams like that, you can, like, overdo things just so, like, later on in the season, like, it comes back to the mean of doing it. I think when you play Nebraska, Michigan State, especially Michigan State, that's going to go back the other way where it's going to be the game's going to get tight, and he's going to go, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm gone. Oh shoot. And then I think maybe by Maryland, maybe Maryland or Rutgers, we see the happy medium that like maybe he needs to be at, but I definitely think it'll start over trying to stay in the pocket. Maybe he gets a couple of sacks just because he stayed in there a lot longer than he needed to, just to train like the muscle memory of things. And then like when he gets into tougher competition, it's no, we gotta win
1: the game. I'm gone, and then
0: eventually he'll find that happy
1: medium. That's, an, that's a that's that's a very interesting analysis. I think actually that might make a lot of sense. That like you're gonna overcompensate for your instincts early on, because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, again. I mean, I, I don't cover Georgia high school football, and I don't cover Georgia, so I'm going to stop saying like, "Well, I wasn't." You guys know I wasn't at his games, and all I've watched is highlights. And I watched, I watched the chunk of the of the Georgia-Tennessee game when he got in and got some real snaps in a game that was only ten nothing at that point in the first half. To me, in high school and at Georgia, there are a lot of moments where he wants the rush to come, to go, because he wants you to rush him so he can get out of there. And like he is waiting for the pocket to collapse. And he's not even thinking about throwing. And when you look at his highlight films from high school and you look at his highlight films from Georgia, they're like 80% runs. This guy is a monster when he runs. To me, and I think I'm going to write a piece for the end of the week, he's a little bit Troy. He's a little bit Dwayne. He's a little bit Terrell. He's a little bit Braxton. He's a little bit JT. And there are little components of each of them. But as a runner, the running guys there, because I'm going to compare them to Dwayne and Troy throwing the ball. But as a runner, it's Pryor, Miller, and Barrett. That they have had three very different, very successful running quarterbacks here. He is a long strider like Terrell Pryor. He has a big butt like JT Barrett. He has some power. And JT Barrett was like trying to tackle a fullback. You could not wrap up because he was so powerful in his lower body with his thighs and breaking tackles. And he does have some open field moves. Not as good as Braxton's because like no college quarterback has open field moves like Braxton Miller. But Terrell Pryor was a straight line guy who wasn't going to really drop a move on you. But he can look like Terrell at times when he's out in the open field striding, but then he will drop a juke on you like Braxton. And then when you try to tackle him, he'll power through that like JT. So he is unbelievable. Now, he's unbelievable in high school. He's unbelievable against Austin P and Middle Tennessee State and UMass in second and unit. Garbage Time SEC snaps. When they got him in against Tennessee, they turned him into a handoff machine. And I will tell you he looks, he ran a lot of stuff that looked like zone read. I'm not sure he was reading stuff. There seemed to be a lot of moments when he was given a straight give. And there seem to be moments when he's taken off no matter what. I don't know yet, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know yet what he's going to be like in the zone read. If he's good at the read, oh my God. Like, if he is good at the read, he will kill defenses. If you have J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields as run threats in a moment at a mesh point where a defense truly doesn't know who's getting the ball and Justin Fields in that split second is making the correct decision, that's really, really going to work. However, that looks nothing like last year's offense. Nothing. Like, I'm now, I am so far, like, I know dual threat, you want to be both, and we'll get to the throwing. I know he does have a good arm. I think he wants to run. And it is absolutely, at the very least, it is his instinct in moments of trouble. Dwayne's instinct in moments of trouble was to get rid of it. Justin Fields is, the minute anything breaks down, is I can outrun you, I can juke you, and I can break your tackle. So why would I do anything other than take off right now? Because this is a business decision and he feels Ryan Day can get him to the NFL. That's a very interesting point. So... He's not going to run his way to the NFL. No, you're not. How
0: good he is. There's been maybe since I've been
1: alive. Oh, we're going to do this now. We're going to do the I'm so young. No, this is just No,
0: it's just I can only speak for what I've like been on this earth to like understand.
1: I wasn't alive when Steve Young played football, but you were, Doug. You old. All right, but Steve Young wasn't the runner. Steve Young ran like a maniac. Right, but he's he wasn't Michael
0: Vick. Well, nobody's. Okay, there. then. So, Michael Vick uh, was a Hall of Famer at it. And Kaepernick got to a Super Bowl doing it. Kyler, this gets,
1: Kyler ran like a Now, Kyler threw last year, too. Right. But Kyler in the open field is like. Which is fine. Things but, you've rarely seen. And he, he might be the number one pick. Okay. No. Oh, Arizona might take. I know. wait and see. I, but Cliff Kingsbury is going to fall in love. Please don't. But,
0: like. Oh, no, I can name some guys that like maybe like he needs to pattern himself after because it's more likely that this will happen. Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl. He can run, but he's a thrower. His run is the bonus, and it kills defenses on third downs when all of a sudden he randomly takes off and runs. All right, go, and now do the other thing you're going to do. Just name the other guy you were talking about. Okay, imagine Cam Newton without the muscles. Another guy. He's got a great arm. His, his
1: legs are the bonus, and they kill people. And he won an MVP doing it, and he got to a Super Bowl doing okay. it. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Cam Newton's one year at Auburn when he won the Heisman and they won the national title. He ran the ball 242 times. He threw the ball 246 times. Cam Newton running the ball accounted for 28% of Auburn's snaps that okay. year. Like that how many is, were designed runs? No, 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 no. That, that's not what we're talking about. Because all these time that matters. No, but that's not what we're talking about at all. This conversation we're having right now is about how Justin Fields is going to drop back and want the rush to come. So Understand he can that scramble. those aren't designed runs. I know, but it's but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about what Ryan Day is going to decide to do with him. We're talking about what Justin Fields is deciding to do in the moment. That's the whole conversation we're having right now. They're going to design run him some zone read stuff here okay. and there, right? We said he's going to be good at that, but also he has to decide: when I drop back, am I making money, or am I doing what feels what I've what I've done so well my whole career? Mm-hmm. And those are two different things. He. Cam Newton ran the ball 242 times out of 863 offensive plays for Auburn. You cannot sit here and do that. You're saying Justin Fields can't run that much? No. What I'm saying, yeah, actually I
0: am. And the reason why, you can't say that but in the same breath say, I feel like Ryan Day can turn me
1: into an NFL quarterback. Uh I'm just telling you what Cam did. That's why I suckered and- <laughs> you into the Cam comparison. <laughs> and that's fine. But if you're going to bring n- numbers, don't
0: lie, but they also don't tell the whole truth. How many, we can't, you can't just say he ran the ball 242 times without, okay, how many of those were designed runs versus how many of those where the pocket collapsed and he just took off. We're saying that Justin Fields is going to have moments where the pockets, he is just hoping the pocket collapses. So he can just take off. Yeah. That's not a designed run. That's him no, doing that on his own. But it's his decision. Right. I'm not, I understand that. With Cam Newton, you just threw numbers at me without saying how many of those were designed runs versus how many
1: of those were he was hoping the pocket just collapsed so he could go. But – but it so it's two separate things, right? It is. So – but the point is can you – we just said like can you run your way to the NFL. I'm telling you Cam Newton ran the ball almost as many times as he threw the ball and was – the Heisman winner, the national champion, and the number one pick. So, like, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe if you're the right kind of guy, if you show enough arm, because nobody questioned Cam's arm. Maybe you can do it. If, he's but, co- but, but if you're so, but here, okay, so here, but let's. So it's two separate conversations. Okay, we're going to have a conversation about how much they should run zone read, but we're also going to have a conversation about what Ryan Day should be advising Justin Fields to do when the pocket collapses. If you're Ryan Day, and you and Justin... Justin Fields and Ryan Day are talking this out out all spring. You're under pressure. What are you going to do? If you're Ryan Day and Mike Yersich, what are you trying to advise him? Knowing what we know at the moment about his skill set. What are you advising him to do? Because Justin Fields is trying to get to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Ryan Day and Mike Yersich, yeah, they want to get him to the NFL. They also want to win games. I think... It should go the way I explained it. Early on, stay in the pocket. Let things progress. We're talented enough to win those games. So Ohio State's good with that. So Justin Fields and, and the coaches should be on the same page with that idea. Yeah, okay. like let's like let's, let's let this like let's let this like muscle memory
0: do, work its magic. Let's you know overdo it. Now, if we're going to talk about against Michigan, where no, you're not allowed to lose to Michigan. Listen. Bye. Take off. Whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. But when you're playing a team where you're going to win the game anyway, it's because uh, you, you're going to over-talent this team, and it's more about you know working some kinks out and like working on yourself more than it is about trying to beat a team, yeah, overdo staying in the pocket. Train yourself to go through the progressions and do the things that quarterbacks are supposed to do because the option to run is not going anywhere. He's not going to all of a sudden wake up one day and be slow. That's not going to happen. So that option is there. So in these first two or three weeks, while we can, let's work on getting the other part done because we can always go back to, okay, just take off. You're in that luxury. Just like with Dwayne Haskins, they had the luxury of, listen, you can always get rid of it. You're good enough to get rid of the ball and be very accurate. But you got to learn when it's time to take off. So – Maybe they – I don't know if they did that in the first couple weeks. Forced him to do some things that weren't necessarily natural to him so that when it came to a Maryland game, it wasn't necessarily a problem for him. That's what they need to do with fields. Make him do the things that don't come natural to him so then in the moment where he absolutely should be staying in the pocket and getting rid of the ball, he's doing it. Because you can always come back to, okay, just take off and go get us 10 yards.
1: That's a very good answer. How much zone read do you want to run with him? Whoo, a lot more than last year. Um, do you want it to? You want it to be a regular part of the offense? Yeah, it has to be. Okay,
0: I think if the majority of his runs are designed runs, I have no problem with it. It ha- like you can't. It is still he is still a great runner, and Dobbins, I think, is going to be a lot better than he was this past year. Yeah, that needs to be reintroduced, especially now that you don't have
1: to take a guy off the field to do it. He really, he really is good. He's not. Um, He's not. I don't think he's super super fast at top end, but he really has a lot of different ways to pick up yards because he can run through you. He there's he's hurdling people in high school. He can juke around you. He can he can beat you to the corner. Um, He really he really is pretty special as a runner because he's he has good size, um, but he's very natural at it too. And like Braxton, again. Braxton's just much smaller. Braxton's much more, you know, jitter because he's yeah. just a much smaller dude. But Justin has a lot more of that than JT or Terrell did, um, which is which is when you have a guy that that big who can move side to side like that in the mm-hmm. moment and do a start and stop and a stutter step and stuff. It really is. He is gonna give some defenses a lot of problems. But again, it's one of those things. I I, I just he is going to be able to take apart – I think you make a really good point. He is going to be able to just devastate eight teams on the schedule. He could run for 250 yards, but what would that mean? And then when you get to Penn State or Michigan State or Michigan and you've got a good defensive plan and you're going to try to pen him in Mm -hmm. and you're going to have a spy who's nearly as athletic as him and you're going to do some different things – if that's what you're falling back on, you're in trouble. So I think the idea of forcing yourself to throw makes a lot of sense. I, want, I, want to, I did math, so my fingers are sore from all the counting on my fingers I had to do. I want to make this point. And I can't remember what we said last week about how, how many carries we thought Justin Fields would get. We had a big conversation about it.
0: I think at one point we said if there's 400 to give, um, Dobbins gets like 250 and you split the other 150 between uh, Fields, McCall, and maybe Steele if he's a part of it? We were
1: thinking more like 70 to 100, I think, is what our debate was over. Yeah, I said maybe more like 100, and you said maybe more like 75. Yeah. Okay, here's the point I want to make. I went through from Terrell Pryor in 08... Through Dwayne Haskins last year, the only year I didn't do was 2015 because they played Cardale and JT, yeah. and I wanted the zero in on the starting quarterback. Here is the greatest percentage of offensive snaps that were the quarter, the starting quarterback running the ball. Okay, so this is what we're, we're talking about. For instance, the number one is 2012, Braxton Miller, which is not a surprise at all. Which is Urban Meyer's first season, Urban Meyer has said a million times the offense that year was Braxton left, Braxton right, Braxton Mm -hmm. save us. Um, That year, they ran 931, excuse me, they ran 837 offensive plays. Braxton Miller ran the ball 227 times, which is ridiculous. Braxton Miller that year was 27.1% of the offense was Braxton Miller runs, okay, 27.1, Braxton Miller, 2012. Number two, JT Barrett, 2016, which is, he's now the full-time starter. They say they want to throw it more. JT Barrett is 20.7% of the offense, his runs. Third, Braxton Miller in 2011, 19.3% of the offense are his runs. Terrell Pryor in 2009, 18.4%. J.T. Barrett in 2014 as a first-year starter, 18.2%. Terrell Pryor in 2008 as a first-year starter, and he didn't start the first three games, 16.7%. Braxton Miller in 2013, his last year as a starting quarterback, he's getting a little more confident. They have more options. They have Carlos Hyde. It's 16.4%. J.T. Barrett in 2017, again, they're trying to throw it. They're trying to throw it. Mm -hmm. The most he's ever tried to throw it. He's 15.3%. Terrell Pryor, his last year, 14.5%. All these guys, by the time they're their last year as a starter, they're running it less than they did early in their career, mm-hmm. right? They're all these guys who are dual threats, who can do both, but their instinct when they get in trouble when they're young is to run more, mm-hmm. okay? So again, ninth was Terrell Pryor, 14.5% in 2010. And the last year I did, Dwayne Haskins... Last year, Dwayne Haskins' runs were 7.4% of the offense. Okay, his aren't going to be that low. So last year they ran 1,062 offensive plays. Okay? So let's just say they run 1,000 offensive plays this year. Mm -hmm. Okay? If he's anywhere in this range, again, anything above Dwayne Haskins, the lowest is Terrell Pryor, 14.5%. That's 145 carries for Justin Fields. If he starts creeping towards the high end, if he's more like Braxton Miller his first year, that's 19.3%. So last week, we were talking about 75 to 100 carries for Justin Fields. In a world where they run a 1,000 offensive plays, I think he's running 150 times. Minimum. Because he's so good at it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a combination of I think there's going to be a zone read with Dobbins... And fields that can work That they're going to want to do And as defenses figure out Once you're running zone read you got to take what the read says yeah. So sometimes that's going to be Justin Fields keeping it Now they might end up If you end up in a world Where they're trying to take fields away And letting Dobbins keep it Good That's great All of a sudden If that's the world for Ohio State J.K. Dobbins is going to have a huge year if, that, if they get to that point Where they run a decent amount of zone read And defenses take away fields first Dobbins will go nuts it's won't think, be surprising if teams start doing that. Well, like, it's like when we think about, like, J.K. Dobbins, and we talked about this and people were mad at me that I said it before, J.K. Dobbins wasn't as good last year. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a quarterback run threat. No, and when they tried it, it was too late in the season. So that all that stuff, there's no, that zone read where the quarterback's enough of a threat. Now, still, when J.K. was a, was a freshman, a lot of times they wanted J.T. to keep it. So J.K. has never been in a situation... Where he's run zone read with a quarterback that's a better runner than him. That might be the situation this year. You might be so scared of Justin Fields. You take away Justin Fields and let J.K. Dobbins go. Let's watch J.K. Dobbins run for 2,000 yards in that situation.
0: I think in some of these big team games, he's a big play away from that happening. Like He runs one for 25-plus, and all of a
1: sudden it's like, yeah, we're not letting that happen again. But I think, I think the combination of the zone read possibilities and the natural instinct of come rush me and yeah. watch me what I do, my new number on Justin Fields' carries is 150. That is 15% of the offense with 1,000 plays. And if he ends up at 15% of the offense, that would be the ninth most in the last decade.
0: Which isn't a problem because a lot of that is going to come in a zone read situation. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with the number being high when it's designed. I have a problem with it if, like, of those 150, 75% of them were just him. Oh, no, 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 I'm out. Like, if but, that's what it what is. It, but
1: what if it works? Don't you think it's going to work? Because you, you watch this guy scramble. Yeah. This guy scrambles. It is unbelievable. Because one of the funny, like, when Braxton sometimes, and, and Urban said this sometimes, like, Braxton at times wasn't a great scrambler. Braxton was better in the called reads. Yeah. So so I don't know what his scrambling instincts are. Troy could be a great scrambler, and Troy would scramble to throw at the end of his career. I don't know if Justin's going to scramble to throw, if he's going to scramble to scramble. But there is some component of it. Terrell Pryor won games. He won the Iowa game one year by scrambling on third down. There are going to be times where you're going to drop back to pass on second and seven, and if that rush comes and there's a lane and you think there's 20 yards there for the taken, you absolutely want him taking that. I, I'm, it's fascinating. And we're only going to get – here's the thing. We're not going to get a great read. We're going to get some – we're going to get a read on the situation and the spring game and spring practice. We're going to see how much zone read they run and how they look with that. We are not going to know what his scrambling instincts are going to be until, until we one. get to game action. Yeah. And then I think you might I think you're going to be 100% right. What we think we know based on Florida Atlantic is not necessarily what it's going to be. What if against Cincinnati it's tied in the third quarter? And yeah, and then it becomes a situation where it's all right, we just need to win this game. So so if, do you? So if you want to scramble for yards, yeah. go. But against Florida Atlantic Stay your butt in the the pocket and let things progress. But, like, I I think it is going to be fascinating to watch because Dwayne Haskins didn't do it at all. 7.4% of the offense in a world where every other starting quarterback at Ohio State in the last decade when they had three very different but very effective runners were all 15%. And had to force them to do it. That's what's interesting. And Justin Fields is much more that. Justin Fields... As people, and that's part of why I wrote this about Dwayne, like you just, I think you have to, I think to, to enjoy Justin Fields the most, Dwayne Haskins got Justin, Justin Fields here. To enjoy him and appreciate him, you need to forget that Dwayne Haskins ever existed. <laughs> this has been like a recurring theme for you over the last month. You can't expect him. No. Uh, if people think, if, and, and that's the thing, like maybe Dwayne, maybe Justin Fields came here to be Dwayne Haskins. That's not the what the best version of his of he of of Justin Fields is. The best version of Justin Fields is not Dwayne Haskins. At least and especially for now, maybe next year. Maybe next year. But we can have a whole different conversation for twenty twenty.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can. But like, let's. I, I'd rather like see what it looks like now before I kind of. But but for now, it's. It seems like they're gonna have to force him to stay in the pocket early, so that it becomes a. They gotta turn it into a bonus. And I'm yeah. going to stick to that. They have to turn his running into a, and guess what else? We got this part. To, it can't be like, the if, it's, if you're relying on it, you're not going to have a lot of success because teams are going to plan for that. I'll be, a, ve- I'll be
1: very curious, yeah.
0: Yeah. How they defend you. But if it's a bonus, if it, if it becomes the backbreaker when it's third and eight in the fourth quarter, and you need a first down, and like he and he does what Russell Wilson has done a lot in his career and just takes off and gets that first, and then some, and your defense has to stay on the field for another set of downs, that's when it becomes amazing. But if it's like first down in the first quarter on the 25-yard line and he's already doing it, then it's... I'll
1: tell you what, there was a time when Ohio State's best offensive play when Terrell Pryor was here was Terrell Pryor scrambles. Like, you, that's not in the playbook, but they absolutely knew we're going to call pass plays, and on some percent of these pass plays, he's going to run, and it's the best thing we do. So it, it is a fascinating thing. It's like you need to work that in without working it in. Yeah. Because you don't want to force it. It's maybe not what he wants to do, but it's what he he's really good at. It's really, I think it's really interesting, but all I'm telling you is – if we were talking about 75 75 if they a 1000 plays, 75 carries is, is Dwayne Haskins' numbers. Which is only great if like he's averaging like 15 yards a carry. But if he's averaging 15 yards a carry if and he's not <laughs> running it 150 times, you're giving yards away. Yeah. It's not like, oh, he's so good at it we want to minimize <laughs> yeah. it. Okay, let's talk about him as a thrower and then we'll get to some questions. What do you think of him as a thrower? From what I've seen
0: and from what I've had conversations about, he is a much better thrower than I think he's getting credit for. Because of the fact that he's such a great runner, I think his his throwing is overlooked. But I think part of why it's overlooked is I don't think he has the necessary confidence in it that maybe he should. I don't know if he... I think because he's such a great runner, he doesn't have necessarily the confidence in his arm that... Other quarterbacks that maybe Terrell Pryor may have had or JT Barrett may have had where it's, I'm going to let this fly. It's, it's Because of how his instincts are, we, I don't think we've ever really seen what his arm
1: really can is capable of. It's hard when, when you are really good at the one thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not a quarterback guru. As part of this, we already had Jake Burns, who's a great film guy that I hope you guys are reading when he does work for us at Cleveland.com. He does a lot of Browns stuff, but he also does some Ohio State stuff occasionally. He did a film breakdown on Justin Fields a couple weeks ago. uh, And Jake, played quarterback, he's much more knowledgeable about this stuff. But having read Jake's breakdown and just watching again what I watched, I will say it seems like he's better mechanically than Pryor or Braxton or JT. It seems like he has a natural stride. He, like, torques his body. He Mm -hmm. can get something behind the ball. He's not um, flipping balls off his back foot all the time. He seems very smooth on the run. They got, you got to roll this guy out. Sometimes it was like with Dwayne. I think Dwayne was at his best in the pocket. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I think they're gonna want to do some different things with Justin Fields. But I feel like the arm talent, like he's he can he can sling it. And then I watched a couple couple of the, the high school highlight films, he could drop a deep ball on somebody's fingertips. Mm-hmm. Did you get that sense too? That yeah. Of all the things that I thought, the only thing that reminded him of Dwayne in my mind was the way he could drop the deep ball on a guy's arm. He's got an arm that
0: I was kind of shocked at how good his arm actually was because like, you said, a lot of his highlights are him taking off and that stride and all that beautiful stuff. But... From what I've seen, and from what I've talk- from the conversations I've had over the last ninety-six hours, his arm is just can, can't has the potential to be
1: just as dangerous as as his legs. So the people again, the people you talk to who mm-hmm. have watched him play, they thought him throwing the ball. What what was their general impression on him as a thrower? They thought he could sling it. Um, obviously, you know
0: he's he, he's not the, as good as Trevor Lawrence is. But, like, if that's the only guy that, like, is probably better than him around his age, then that's not a bad thing, was kind of the impression I got. Because Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be the number one pick in the draft when he's eligible. If the guy who we're already, pretty much it was, if the guy we're already considering to be the number one pick in the draft the moment he's eligible, is the only guy we're saying is a better thrower than this kid, I think Justin Fields is going to do pretty fine for himself. I think... He's a bit of he's a bit more of a developmental pro- process, which goes back into the business decision of deciding to come play for Ryan Day, and I think they felt his potential as a thrower was higher. Okay. Than Trevor Lawrence's was now right now Trevor Lawrence is better than who knows you know potential is in the NFL is what it is it means you just haven't done anything yet but they definitely felt like he had a much higher ceiling as a thrower than maybe he's given credit for because he has the
1: dual threat tag on him. From what I watched, I felt like he is almost more comfortable throwing outside of structure than in structure. That, again, it it feels like he likes pressure. Manziel-like. And when he gets – that's when the magic happens sometimes. And, again, like, you have to be able, especially at the NFL level – it's easy. It's some, it can look easy when you have great blocking and guys run great routes and get open. But what happens the millions of times that doesn't happen? What can you improvise? Especially
0: this year when you're going to have a very inexperienced line where, I mean, it's cool that you can do it, but you're going to have to do it. You are. Especially early on, you're going to have an inexperienced line. You're going to have, whether they're talented or not, inexperienced receivers. You're gonna have to make something happen a lot of times. You got an inexperienced the passing game coordinator as far as being at Ohio State. You got an inexperienced head coach who's got three games under his belt. You got a lot of inexperience, and early on, you're probably gonna have to do some things on your own. So it's cool that you
1: can do it, but now you have to do it. And so what happens then? He, I do think he is like he is a good fit for this for this situation at Ohio yeah. State because he can solve problems on his own. I think. Um, with his legs or throwing on the run. Um, I had some questions about him in the pocket at the moment. And it's not um, the arm. But the best thing Dwayne Haskins did was bing, bam, boom. You're open. I make, an, I make a read. I diagnose what's going on and I get rid of it. Uh, my impression of Justin Fields is that he is late on some throws. On a somewhat regular basis. If you watch him and you break it down, if, when you're breaking down film, you see the route and you say, "Ball out there," and it's <laughs> ball out. He is a half step slow on getting rid of it. There's a throw again in the Georgia-Tennessee game, um, which is maybe the game, the, the the biggest game where he got meaningful action. Um, it was in the first half in a game that was still up for grabs, and he had one throw where he knew. Um, that he had a free play because they jumped off sides and he threw deep, but he was late deep and the safety came over and picked it at the goal line. Um, he had a high school throw when they were trying to come back in a game where he had to throw deep. His coach said, you had to take that shot. Yeah. And Justin Fields came to the sideline and said, man, I thought that was a touchdown. He underthrew it deep and it mm-hmm. got picked. And so it's like it was, it was maybe there, but he waited too long. And he had another throw in the in the Tennessee game where he had a guy on a sideline route and the guy was open the whole time, but he threw it so late that the guy ended up catching it with stepping on the sideline because he had to turn his body. You see a lot of receivers turning their bodies back to the ball rather than catching it in stride. And I thought, that's where he is not Dwayne Haskins. Now, the whole thing I wrote was, well, if Dwayne Haskins wasn't ready, how can Justin Fields be ready? That... And and my contention in the end would be, well, I think Dwayne Haskins would have been ready. But that precision that Dwayne showed in his third year in college, in his third year in the same system, that I think is where Justin Field is going to lack the most. And that is not a criticism of Justin Field. That is a dose of reality for anybody who watched Dwayne Haskins. And that is why Dwayne Haskins is going top 10. It's not because of his athleticism. It's not because he can throw a ball through a brick wall. It is because Dwayne Haskins can understand what is happening with an offense and a defense and make a read and deliver an accurate ball on time. And he did that as well as any recent college quarterback, I think. So let me ask you a question.
0: Obviously, Dwayne Haskins' football IQ is amazing. He would put that on display anytime
1: we had a chance to talk to him. Everybody can't wait for him to get to the combine this week and yeah. get on the board.
0: My question is with Justin Fields and... A lot of these late throws. How much do you think that, that mindset of "I can't wait to run," "I can't wait to run," is a part of that? Because if he's so busy thinking about
1: when he can take off, is he really taking the time to focus on going through those reads? It's a great point. I mean, that. What are you thinking about? And again, it's easy for guys sitting in a yeah. fine-smelling basement, again, not having grown men run at them. You don't, but you don't smell farts at all right now. Do you? I do not. No. There are no farts in this basement, but also no one is attacking us. It's true. So it's easy for us to say, but but all we're doing is we're not saying we can do it. We're saying Dwayne Haskins could. I know I can't do it, but I also don't play football. That's why I write for a living. Yeah. So it's it, it's just that that is a question. And Dwayne Haskins last year made a lot of guys look open because when you hit guys exactly coming out of their break, then they are open. They're open for a half second. They're open when they're not open, if you put it in the right place. And I think that is going to happen in 2019, not just like a little bit less. I think that's going to happen a lot less.
0: Especially when your main receiver for the first part of the year is probably going to be KJ Hill, who's constantly coming across the middle. And there's a bit of a timing thing with that. You have to get it to where he can go. He can't be getting caught up because the ball was late or behind him or such and such because you were not going through the reads the way you should have been going. When that's going to be your main receiver for probably the first 5 games of the season while those other guys get acclimated to things,
1: he's going to need the ball on time and on target. So that's I think that's going to be something that fans eyes are going to have to adjust to. That you're going to have to you're going to have to adjust to not, it's like a metronome, man. I mean, like, and again, every when it was happening with Dwayne Haskins, everybody was like, we've never seen this before. And it's like, yeah, you've never seen this before at Ohio State, and you're not going to see it again. So my negativity, my keeping it real in quotation marks is just telling you this guy, he's friends with Dwayne Haskins. He trained with Dwayne Haskins. He came here in part because of Dwayne Haskins. He can do some things that Dwayne Haskins can't do. We all agree on that. There's also some things Dwayne Haskins can do that he can't do. And you have to know that going in. Because if you're waiting, if you're going to the spring game, and you should go to the spring game on April 13th for five bucks, it's the best five bucks you can spend on sports in this state. If that's what you're going to look for, you're going to be disappointed when you shouldn't be disappointed. You should be awed by a lot of what this guy is going to do. But please do not wait for him to be the next Dwayne Haskins. Now, 2020. Anything could happen. And I, if, I think if he...
0: Let's just, like, I'm not... This isn't my, like, official prediction on the season yet. I don't want to do that yet. It's it's March. 7-5? and five. Oh, Yes. Um, <laughs> so let's say in a world where they lose a game and they don't get in the college football playoff, but they're playing in a major bowl game and Justin Fields has a solid year where, like, He's like, finishes like fifth, so he doesn't get an invite to New York, but he finishes like fifth in the Heisman voting or something like that. I think he's the favorite to win the Heisman in
1: 2020. So we'll wrap this down and then we'll bring it back up with questions. Okay. We're going to have some questions that cover some ground, but also some new questions. All questions about Justin Fields. His upside is. He runs like some combination of Terrell Pryor, Braxton Miller, and JT Barrett. And he throws like some combination of Dwayne Haskins and Troy Smith. Like, that's the top side upside. There are not a lot of people who have that kind of upside. I don't think you're going to see all of that this year. Or you're not going to see it through the first two months. And maybe by the time you do see it, they've lost twice. And he's not going to win the Heisman, and they're not going to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. But 2020, they might win th- – they might go 40-0 and 0 because they're going to win their games by so much. They're going to get credit for three victories every time they take the field, and he'll, they'll give him three Heismans. But I just – that that's that's the upside of 2020. But the whole point of this is when you look at these guys, these quarterbacks who could run through the course of their career – they eventually ran a little less over time, mm-hmm. and that's because they got they got more comfortable and their coaches got more comfortable. I think early on you're going to see Justin Fields trying to make up for things with his natural talent rather than going through everything. It's going to take time. All that stuff that Tate Martell said about it takes it takes a while to learn this offense. Mm-hmm. I think there is some truth to that, but the other point is you don't have to wait to play until you know the whole offense. Yeah, he's going to get he's going to get the benefit
0: that none of those guys had. Well, J.T. Barrett kind of had it because of situational, but he gets to learn
1: on the job. Well, actually, that part of it, they all got thrown in. T- Terrell, yeah, yeah. Terrell got thrown okay. In. Terrell got three games. Braxton, and Braxton got thrown
0: he, in. He, he navi. But Braxton also came in on a down year where nobody expected. Him but to do but anything. they.
1: All, but but the point. Of, so the point of the point of what I wrote is that. Dwayne Haskins, they said Dwayne Haskins wouldn't have been ready. Every Ohio State quarterback gets thrown in before he's ready. Yeah. Troy Smith, Troy Smith was like playing special teams, and then he had to wait a little bit. But then, like when they threw him in, in like the middle of 2004, it's like, all right, well you're better than Justin. Swift. go? But that's what
0: I think he differs is like Troy Smith didn't start from the get go. Terrell Pryor didn't start from the get go. Braxton Miller, he did, but it was more. Well, out of- no, he didn't. Joe Balserman started. Braxton Miller started his first game in week four. Right, yeah, so there you go. He didn't start right away. But even if he had a, he was his freshman year was in a season where, like – I mean, Everything exploded. Yeah, it. so it really didn't matter. Like, okay, let's just get through this season and get Urban here. Uh, JT started out in, because Braxton got hurt. So that's where a real one of, like, okay, Braxton's not here, but the expectation is still the same. Right. Justin Fields doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have a guy where it's, like, all of a sudden he's the starting quarterback in August. We he know now – and he's got all these expectations. So he's having, like, yeah, those guys had to get in, were thrown in before they were ready, but at least there was a small little step before they had to get up on the on the ladder. There was a ladder. There's no ladder. No. You're going from the floor. All of a sudden, you're up here. So I don't know, like, with the whole ready thing, I don't know if necessarily any of those quarterbacks have been in the same exact position. Maybe Cardell, just, be- just because of, like, the situation of those three games
1: he was playing in. Yeah. It's just – Dwayne Haskins is the exception to the rule in like a million different ways. It's in his style of play, but it's also in the fact that there was this plan. It's like he redshirted, then he was Mm -hmm. the backup to a fifth-year senior, then he started. So when the coaches were talking last year like he wouldn't have been ready, it's like, dude, like guys get thrown in early all the time. So like you can't have the expectation because guess what happens? When you – Georgia tried to put a plan together, and this is what I wrote. Georgia tried to put a plan together – Justin Fields didn't want no part of that plan. So, like, you can't play. Guys get thrown in all the time. So that's the nature of the beast. So, like, that bothered me when they would say, well, Dwayne couldn't have done it. It's like, yeah, he could have. He probably should have had the chance to do it. But but that's now contrary to what this is. But actually what this is is more normal at Ohio State. It's more like Barrett and Miller and Pryor. What it is not like is Kyler Murray. And we can get to that question, maybe we can get to that question now. Is there anything, in conclusion, in conclusion, so this is what I want to say in conclusion. JT Barrett threw for like seven. was 9 of 21 for like 79 yards against Virginia Tech when they lost in week 2. In his second game as a starter. And it's because they gave him a defensive look, we wrote about it a million times at the time, you guys all know it, they gave him a defensive look they weren't expecting and they didn't know what to do and they had a a quarterback who'd never played before, mm. who could not figure it out. They could not help him figure it out, and they lost. Terrell Pryor, Pryor threw in some stinkers early on. Terrell Pryor ran like a maniac. He didn't. Terrell Pryor's average game, like he didn't even complete ten passes a game. That was the norm for him. Braxton Miller didn't complete ten passes a game. Braxton Miller had a game where he completed one pass. Like they didn't ask early on. Terrell Pryor and Braxton Miller in their first years, they didn't even ask him to throw. They were like, we know that your average game is like 10 of 15. So Justin Fields is going to throw much more than those guys. JT, they asked to throw a lot. JT got really good by the end. JT had a ton of talent around him, but they lost a game early that was a lot of, and it's not JT's fault at all, but a lot of that was a young quarterback. I think, and the other thing is, a lot of those young quarterbacks were backed up by really, really good defenses, they need this defense to be really good. If this defense is as bad as last year's defense, they really could lose some games. If the defense is really good and I think it could be really good, then you can have a situation where in 2008 that veteran defense with James Lonerides and Malcolm Jenkins and some really good guys helped carry that team. Now, they still lost 3 games, but they had a good year, right? Yeah. I mean, like you know, you can't you can't go undefeated every year. The Braxton Miller year doesn't count because everything exploded. And then JT Barrett, his first year as a starter, they won the national championship. But they had the early loss they had to overcome. Mm -hmm. And they had some things break their way that allowed them to overcome it. So, I think they're going to lose a game early because they have a young quarterback. And then whether they lose a second game or a third game is going to depend on if their defense is good enough in the moment to carry a team that is going to be growing with a quarterback who's going to be fighting some run instincts, trying to fit into a passing offense. And in 2020, he will be a finished product and be ready to have a great year. I just think some bumps are ahead for Justin Fields. What's your synopsis on the Justin Fields 2019?
0: I think between Nebraska and Wisconsin, one of those four games is going to be a loss. I would guess probably Northwestern but one of those games is going to for sure be a loss I think we're going to see a little bit of what we saw during Barrett's first year where that like the that's the low point and they kind of rally from that I don't know if they're going to do enough to get into like a college football playoff situation but I do think that between Nebraska and Wisconsin game I think one of those four games is going to be a loss and it's going to look ugly in one of those first three games. I don't think it'll be ugly enough for them to lose, but we'll be able to look back on what, like the ugliness of one of those first three games on why they ended up losing to either Nebraska, Michigan state, Northwestern, or Wisconsin. And then we'll also be able to look at when Michigan gets here, I, or maybe even Penn state on, Oh, he really improved in that area that looked really ugly the first six weeks of the season.
1: And that's why they are where they are now. Okay. We're gonna get into a lot more of this. I just, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, um, it's gonna be fascinating. And I think like Ohio State's lucky to have Justin Fields, and I think he's gonna have, he's gonna succeed here. It's just like what level of success? Yeah. Oddly um, enough, he might be more interesting than Tate Martell. That's not be crazy.
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think it'll be just from my football standpoint. Now, obviously, personality Tate Martell is more interesting, but I think from a strictly football standpoint. If he gets comfortable to the point where... I'm not saying he's going to be cocky like Dwayne Hastings, but he gets a little bit more comfortable, especially since we've got two years with him. I think this can be just...
1: I think it'll be a great, like, filler for what what could have been. It's not going to be... I mean, like, it's going to be more interesting on the field and less interesting off the field. But, yeah. We just would have been getting through every game with Tate to be like, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. They won by 20. Who cares? Let's see oh, what yeah. Tate says in the postgame. Yeah. Um, so... One of the things that I wanted to start with was uh, the, the story I wrote about sort of like, our, will Justin Fields be ready to be Dwayne Haskins and all that stuff. Uh, Tony Molnar at TonyM43202 tweeted, Kyler Murray says not so fast about me saying, hey, there might be some bumps in the road early on. And I replied by saying not so fast on that comparison. I'll explain why on the podcast. Will be a good discussion. Here's why. That to me is not at all the same. And 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 I I of course I'm agreeing to the Johnny Manziel won the Heisman as a redshirt freshman. J- Jameis Winston did it as a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence did it as a true freshman. Yes, I mean there are the examples out there. But I'm just telling you, make the right comparisons. Kyler Murray. This is what Kyler Murray did before he was Oklahoma's starting quarterback. He started off at Texas A and M. He started three games as a true freshman at Texas A&M, played in eight, then he transferred. He had a whole year at Oklahoma of sitting out as a transfer. Behind? Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. That would be like... He did not go to Oklahoma and become the starting quarterback.
0: That would be a that's what Justin Fields is doing. That's if Justin would have
1: been here last year and sat behind Dwayne Haskins and watched him break all those records. Then Justin Fields, excuse me, then Kyler Murray had another year of playing and being the backup quarterback. So Kyler Murray had three years removed from high school, two years at his school, Mm -hmm. and then in his fourth year out of high school. And his third year at his school, he went bonkers and won the Heisman. Four years out of high school, third year at his school. Justin Fields, second year out of high school, first year at his school. So if you're like saying first year starter, like that is not at all what we're talking about. That's where numbers don't lie, but they don't tell the whole truth coming to the situation. So Cam Newton, okay, Cam Newton was a one year guy at Auburn. Right. He also spent a year at Florida. Cam Newton was at Florida in 2007. Behind Tim Tebow. Was at Florida in 2008. Behind Tim Tebow. Had issues, left Florida, went to junior college in 2009, played a whole year, and then in his fourth year out of high school, after he played a whole year at junior college, went to Auburn and won the national title in one year and and won the Heisman one year. It was his first year out of school, just like Justin Fields. This is an admirable thing, by the way but he had 3 he had 3 years before auburn justin fields has 1 year before ohio state so we're talking about maturation we're talking about time to watch and absorb we're talking about time on the field we're not talking about going to one school for a year leaving this is the whole thing i mean this this is the and this is part of the new transfer thing like if justin fields was here right now and he couldn't play and he was sitting out under the old transfer rules, and he had a whole year to absorb the Ryan Day system. And then you're trying to tell me Justin Fields is going to come in and his first, the first snap he ever takes at Ohio State, he's ready to light the world on fire. I would be more, much more in on that than I am right now when he's trying to do it immediately. And I'm not saying the new transfer rule is bad; it's good. These guys, but I'm just saying you're you're you taking away the padding of that extra year that has been built into transfers from the beginning of time, good or bad. That was real. Okay. Michael Wine. I think he's uh, taking a shot at me here. I'm sure you watched a lot of tape to prepare for the podcast, winky sideways face. Yeah. Guess what, Michael Wine? We did. We did. did A lot. Could you compare Justin to another quarterback? So what's your number one comparison? We've gone through a bunch of them. What's your best one? Hmm. I got to say Cam without the muscles over I, Terrell Pryor, honestly. I mean, because I think he throws it. I think Justin throws it better than Terrell. Yeah. He's a more natural thrower. Like,
0: Cam can run, obviously. We all know that. But his running is a bonus. For Terrell Pryor, his running was like what he was. What did, what did Urban Meyer first say when he like got to Ohio said about Braxton Miller? He called him an athlete masquerading as a quarterback. Yeah. Yep. Terrell Pryor was the same way. Yep. I don't see that with Justin Fields. I see a guy who has a heck of an arm and has a potential to be a really good quarterback.
1: And oh yeah, he can take
0: off anytime he wants as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like I, I I like my comparison of like he's an amalgamation of he's he's kind of like these five Ohio State quarterbacks. But I I, I do think if you're going one guy, I think Cam. He's like 85 percent of Cam. Yeah. You know, which is... Without the weight room. That's because Mix only had him for a couple months. And and so I'll be... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. Maybe he'll grow (laughs) another inch.
0: Cam was really skinny when he got to Florida. So,
1: I'm just saying. Yeah, and and, and I think, too, like, people would say, like, Cam's not perfect as a thrower. No. But he's got a big arm, and he makes a lot of... Like, the year he was the MVP and they went to the Super Bowl, it's like he made every throw he needed to make. I Mm -hmm. think he can be inconsistent at times, but he is an absolute beast sometimes you can't stop him. When he's clicking, it's and impossible. when he's when he's on throwing, yeah, like there's no way to stop him. And like you would take him as a franchise quarterback every day of the week. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh he's not perfect, but he's like led you to a Super Bowl and he's been the MVP and he's a franchise quarterback? Yeah, okay. If that's what Justin Fields is or close to that, yeah. Cool. Pretty good. This is a great question. Would Justin Fields be on the roster if Urban was still the head coach? That's Michael Wine's second question. My – after my extensive film breakdown, Michael Wine, I think he's more an Urban quarterback than he is a Ryan Day quarterback. Right now, yeah. I think he would never – I
0: think under Urban, I don't know if he would develop as much as into an NFL quarterback. But
1: he would for sure like run all over the place. So it's interesting. So this is like a two-part question. I think he like fits more as an Urban quarterback. Yeah. But also within this question that Michael's asking is like would Justin Fields have come – And Urban Meyer – and Urban Meyer always would talk about Alex Smith was a first – was a number one overall pick. Tim Tebow was a first-rounder. He would take credit for Cam Newton in these situations. Like he wanted to say – (laughs) now, Alex Smith went on and had a good career. But again, like he didn't – Urban was not an NFL quarterback developer. No. Now, that's not what his first goal was. He was trying to win games in the way he wanted to win games with his offense – did not necessarily lead itself to developing NFL quarterbacks, but I guess so. Even though he would have maybe fit a lot of Urban wanted to do, no. would Justin Fields have come to Ohio State if Urban Meyer was the co- coach? The
0: no, coach? no, he's here because he feels like Ryan Day can turn into an
1: NFL quarterback. But yeah. Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator last year. Correct. If he saw I me, mean, like if if nothing had changed. Ryan Day as the offensive coordinator did this with Dwayne Haskins. Ryan Day has a lot of control in this offense. Urban's still the head coach. Ryan Day's still here. he's not leaving. See here's my problem with that. I think with Urban
0: still as the head coach and Ryan Day as the offensive coordinator, I think it would be so much easier to fall back into what Urban was comfortable with. With Haskins, part of the reason I've, obviously you saw like some adjustments to adjust to the way Haskins played. But I think a lot of that was also if, if you don't, then you're not going to win a lot because, I mean, you can try to zone read him and RPO him to death, but it's not going to work because he's not a runner at all. So you're going to fail at it. So it's either fail at either be stubborn and fail or change. With Justin Fields, it's not stubborn and fail or change. I think they'd be just as successful if, like, they just ran zone read and RPOs the entire game with Justin Fields because he can run. And so because of that, I don't think Urban Meyer would – I don't think Day would have that much of a push of, listen, we got to do this. We got to throw the ball downfield. We have to do that. Because no, you don't. You don't have to do any of those things. He can just take off. So, yes, he
1: would have success under Urban Meyer, but I do not think he would be here. And I think the other thing would be is that say you knew you came here and you knew Ryan Day was going to be the offensive coordinator again in 2019. You'd be worried. You're committed. You know you're going to be here for two years. You'd be worried that he was going to leave for a head job somewhere yeah. else in 2020, and then you're the guy that you came to play for is gone. So I, I do think it would... You know... I mean, Ryan Day's not going anywhere. So I, I do... I, I wonder. Um, it, it feels like this has been couched a lot as, like, Ryan Day's guy. Ryan Day made this happen. They've mm. said that. Uh, Quincy Avery has a lot of respect for Ryan Day, so I think maybe not. Um, as much as he would have fit Urban, I think maybe not. Jordan Steele at the Jordan Steele. What happens if Justin Fields isn't What he is advertised to be. Does it hurt the perception of Ryan Day going forward as a great quarterback's coach, and would it hurt the program's ability to recruit highly at the quarterback position going forward? That's a really good question. I mean, eh, the immediate future would be bleak,
0: for sure. I don't—I mean, Jack Miller is still committed to come to Ohio State. Yep. So I think that would be like his rebound— of the Justin Fields, so say Justin Fields these next two years, he's decent, but he's not the hype that's around the fact of all this, okay, well you can rebound that with a Jack Miller, and kind of, I don't I don't think Ryan Day, in 24 months, Ryan Day's not going to go from a guy that people think he can develop him into NFL talent to a guy that just doesn't know what he's doing, but I think Jack Miller is a good security
1: blanket for if Justin Fields doesn't work out. I think the transfer thing is like also an excuse for Ohio State if it doesn't work. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, he was a guy. He had trouble, you know, like he didn't. We didn't really recruit him. We, we just happened know to know him that well. Or... I mean, I think yeah, I think it's you can spin it a certain way. Um, I can do the Tate thing. It's not really my guy. Yeah, yeah. But then, then Jack Miller needs to be good because like oh, yeah. if it turns out that it's like, oh, it wasn't Ryan Day. It's just Dwayne Haskins is a nut. Dwayne Haskins would have thrown fifty touchdowns for anybody. Then all of a sudden Yeah, but listen, if know. if he if, if Justin Fields doesn't live up to all this hype and pressure, listen, it's just gonna transfer to the next one yeah. quarterback as it usually does. So so I do think if, if Ryan Day is gonna be a quarterback guru, he needs to stack stack quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins is the foundation. He needs to stack something on top of that. It doesn't have to be Justin Fields, but if it's not Justin Fields, like you can't wait too much longer to stack no. another guy on that. Um, this is WDK1921 is asking, will Fields actually run the zone read as JT did or simply give or keep it based on the play call like Haskins did last year? I think it's a fascinating question. I would imagine he's going to read it. I don't know how much he's reading it yet, but to accentuate his skills and JK's skills, he's got to read it. I think the goal is to get him to read it. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be reading it on Monday. Some some guys aren't as comfortable. Braxton was never that comfortable reading it. Um, JT was super comfortable. It's one of those things that Tate was comfortable doing it. It was the best thing Tate did. Tate's also been doing it his entire
0: high school career as well. So it wasn't new to him. I I think the goal is by
1: August to have him doing it. I don't think Monday he will be, though. Drizzy Get Busy 01, our guy Joey, uh, has been uh, wondering how he can get his questions in because I think we haven't been getting them to him lately. I said, make sure you respond to the questions. Shout out. So he's got a bunch in here. And they're all really good. Is it more important to give Justin Fields time or weapons? Meaning, what's more important for Justin Fields, the offensive line or the receivers? Weapons. Because of his legs. I agree. What does Ohio State have more of? Solid offensive linemen or more dangerous weapons at receiver? Weapons. Uh, Even though they lost a bunch. Yeah, Even though they hadn't lost a bunch. There's still pretty
0: good talent at receiver. And Jonah Jackson obviously did decided to come to Ohio State, but the numbers are still thin.
1: Yeah, and we don't know how... There's, a, there's some highly ranked guys in there. The depth is still an issue. Jonah Jackson, is, as you guys know, is grad transfer from Rutgers who decided to come, which means someone else is transferring by the way. Um, they're at 86 right now. I've got updated mm-hmm. scholarship chart. So that means someone else is leaving um, that they must know about. They just haven't announced it yet. But, um, but I still think there are more options between Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, KJ Hill, Demario McCall, Jalen Gill, Austin Mack, Ben Victor, there's enough things um, that I think I think the weapons do slide in his favor, and that's a good thing. How many games did it take Dwayne Haskins to become fully confident at quarterback running this offense? How many will it take Fields? Will Fields hit his stride at all next season? All questions we've kind of gotten to. I think Dwayne Hoskins was fully confident the first snap he took of 2018. Yeah, Especially if,
0: like, dude, all I got to do is throw the ball downfield.
1: I think the only thing he needed to develop is, like, the willingness to run. Everything else was pretty good. I think he was fully confident, like, in the Michigan game in 2017. I think he was fully confident when the week after they lost to Oklahoma in 2017, he stayed after practice to throw in front of the media. So, listen,
0: listen, this is the same guy. I asked him if he felt he was a Heisman candidate. Not because I wanted, like, I cared about his act, like, getting the quote. Obviously, I know he's the Heisman candidate. It was more just to get the reaction, and he gave me a look that made me feel stupid, and I—it was amazing. He I love that look.
1: Yeah, he looked at me like, "Are you serious? Like, you think, have you seen my stats?" I'm gonna miss that look. Yeah, I like to think—I I like to think I was gonna say this because I, I tweeted it out and you—you you put awesome. that on top of it. I have this picture. It's actually a still shot from a video of Dwayne Haskins giving me the side glance. Um, and I like to think that I have helped prepare Dwayne Haskins for getting stupid questions at the Combine and in the NFL by asking him enough stupid questions myself at Ohio State, oh, no. including when he wore a friend shirt, asking him yeah, that, who I his favorite friend. I was. didn't know
0: where you were going with that one. Like, it's I- just
1: that I like Friends. Friends is on in my house 24 hours okay. a day. And so I thought, I thought if you wore a shirt of a TV show, oh. you like that show. We like to just wear retro things. And I get that now. Yeah. And if someone said to me, who's your favorite character on the Andy Griffith show? Just because I was wearing an Andy mm. Griffith show t shirt, it doesn't mean that I would say Aunt B. Although, oh no, i, I Run would say Run DMC
0: Aunt B. shirt, but I don't really have a favorite member of like Run DMC. I wasn't even alive when they were rapping. I keep going. I up. was. <laughs>
1: um, can Ohio State make the playoffs this is a this is a drizzy Oh so so how many games will it take Fields to get comfortable? I think it's gonna take some time. Will and, and the the the, the follow up question will Fields hit his stride at all next season? I don't think we will see. I don't think like what 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 Justin Fields is in 2020, the best he is in 2020. I don't think we'll see anything equivalent to that in 2019. I think we'll see little moments
0: where it goes, oh man, I can't wait till till next year at this time. Like I I think Michigan game, we'll see some moments just because of what Michigan game is. So you'll see it. I think the bowl, whatever bowl game they play next year, I think you'll see some moments because. For some reason, bowl games, like, random moments happen where it's like, "Oh, that guy's going to be great next year. Um, I do think it's going to take three or four games for him to kind of find any type of rhythm. But, like, no, I don't think we'll see, like, the best of him. I think we'll see little tidbits of just the best is yet to come. But we won't really, really see anything until, I'm going to say, Eugene, Oregon, second week, nice. 2020. That's going to be a fun game to watch him in. That is going to be fun. Not just because it's an Oregon, but like genuinely, I just feel like that's like his coming out party.
1: Yeah, because they, like, na- like, they don't really have a national game in 2019. Yeah. That's their national game in 2020. And that'll be like, hey, I'm a Heisman candidate, and I just arrived game. Last one from Drizzy. Our guy, can Ohio State make the playoff with mediocre quarterback play based on its returning weapons on offense and returning starters on defense? What level of play do we need from Fields to win the Big Ten? Does he have to be one of the top seven quarterbacks in the conference? Does he have to be first or second team all Big Ten? So he have to be top fifteen national player, or does he have to be a Heisman finalist?
0: He's pretty easy, I think, to be a top seven quarterback
1: in the Big Ten. I mean, he's definitely going to be that. He's already that. He hasn't taken a snap yet. So, so I think like he could be. He's already that, and like they're gar- not guaranteed to win the Big Ten. I don't think. So I think for them to be like they are absolutely going to win the Big Ten. I think he needs to be first or second team All Big Ten. It can't be a world where like. Man, Adrian Martinez was like yeah. almost as good as him and made fewer mistakes. Or like Shea Patterson really ran that offense. Shea Patterson like, can't outplay him when so, they play. I mean, like regardless of the the result of the game. We, I mean, look, last year people did not think going into last year that Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in the Big Ten. By the end of the year, <laughs> obviously he was the best quarterback in the Big Ten. And guess what? The result was they won the Big Ten. So I don't think he has to be quite as good as Dwayne Haskins. I think he'll get more help from his defense. Mm. But I think he needs to be one of the two best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. If he's if he's only as good as Shea Patterson, I don't I don't know that they'll win the Big Ten. I, I, I think my answer to this would be he needs to be first or second team all Big Ten. I don't think he has to be a Heisman finalist. I don't think he has to be Dwayne Haskins for them, because I do think the defense is going to be substantially better. I think the run game will be better earlier in the season. It'll get integrated more quickly, so I think they'll be they'll be they'll work out some kinks of the offense more quickly. So I think he has a little more padding, even though he doesn't have some of the receivers. So he doesn't have to be great, but he's got to be good. I'll say A is a given. B is
0: probably most likely. C would be in, would just make things interesting. I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he is or if
1: he isn't for C, like, which is top 15 nationally. I wouldn't be surprised. Either way. Drizzy has a million good questions. Um yeah, Another one. Will Matthew Baldwin ever start at quarterback for Ohio State? Uh, yes. If, for some reason,
0: the NCAA just randomly decides to change their mind or, like, he gets hurt,
1: that would be it. Other than that, probably not. So if I had to guess right now, so... Jack Miller's in the next class. Jack Miller's their 2020 quarterback. So if I had to guess, it's Justin Fields in 2019. Justin Fields in 2020 as Jack Miller red shirts. Or maybe me. doesn't red shirt if he's the third quarterback. And maybe he gets in a little bit. But like Baldwin's still the number two. Um, and, and he's the number three. And then in 2021, when Matthew Baldwin is in his fourth year here, and Jack Miller is in his second year here. It's a quarterback competition, but if I had to bet, like, right now, I might bet on Jack Miller.
0: Todd Beckman, Terrell Pryor situation, maybe.
1: Except, well, but it's... it's, it's except no Except champion. Todd Beckman had a whole year of starting. Like, right. if Matthew Baldwin... Matthew Baldwin, if things go as expected, Matthew Baldwin, who redshirted last year, he will be in his fourth year at Ohio State... In 2021, he'll be a redshirt junior, but he'll never have started because he'll have played behind Justin Fields for two years. So he'll be a fourth-year guy who's never played battling a second-year guy who's never played. So is he this gen- the new age Kenny Guyton? I mean, he might be, and Kenny Guyton is like—I mean, that's i made that comparison a lot, and it's nothing against Matthew Baldwin. He was a late recruit. He was a late grab who was headed somewhere else— A lot of people were saying, boy, Matthew Baldwin, you know, he's going to be great. I just – it's just a little hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea that the guy who's going to Colorado State is then going to come to Ohio State and start for multiple years. So if I had to guess, like injury, Kenny Guyton – did Kenny Guyton ever start at Ohio State? No, he was never the starting quarterback. He did start. He started two games and was like the national – the Big Ten Player of the Week two weeks in a row. He played against Cal and Florida A&M. So like maybe that's out there if something goes wrong. But my guess would be he would never be the planned starting quarterback because I'd put my money on Jack Miller, which is nothing against Matthew Baldwin. Uh, Shaq Harrison, do you guys like Field as a player and a person? I don't really know him as a person. I've had one conversation with him and it was
0: in a group of a lot of people who do the same job as me, so I can't really speak on him as a person yet. But as a player, yeah.
1: Yeah, like him as a player. I think the expectations possibly are too high for him and that show made him look like a really good kid. Yeah. So that's that doesn't mean everything, but it doesn't mean nothing. Eric Bronstein, E. Bronstein, If Fields look at, looks average and doesn't live up to the sky-high expectations and the offense is sputtering a little bit, how long until the fans start grumbling for Matthew Baldwin? Um,
0: <laughs> I think fans are going to grumble for, like, whoever the last guy was. Because there were definitely moments this past year where they were grumbling for JT Barrett. Um, There were probably moments where they were grumbling for Braxton Miller or for Cardell or for Terrell or for Todd Beckman or for Craig Krenzel or (laughs) Justin Zwick or Troy Smith and on and on and on. So, listen, I mean, there's probably going to be some moments where you're going to go, man, we should probably try Matthew Baldwin out because, like, he's not going to do that. But, I mean, that's just kind of comes with being a fan, I feel like. It's like you always want the guy who's not there.
1: Yeah, they always say the most popular guy in town is a backup quarterback. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, though, because I do think – I think the fan base is pretty much all in on, like, getting this five-star guy, like, as a miracle. And this guy who is the highest-rated recruit ever in the history of Ohio State and all this stuff. Like, I, I – I think, like you might pine for Dwayne Haskins, but I don't know that anyone's going to think, well, Matthew Baldwin's the answer if Justin Fields isn't. No offense to Matthew Baldwin, I, I, that that would surprise me if we get to that point. Cynical Negro at NW Drone Four One O: Is there even a competition for backup quarterbacks at Baldwin's job to lose? Like, there's no competition. No, he's
0: backup quarterback.
1: Chris Chuganoff is here to be a third guy in the room, which is fine, but Matthew Baldwin is the guy. Do you know for the reasoning for players like Chugunov to transfer here when there's no actual chance to play? Is he planning on coaching after he graduates? Does he have family from here? Just curious. Um, I think coaching, the coaching yeah. thing is a lot of it. You establish connections, um, and you know what? Like, it's really cool to play at Ohio State. Like, one of the next coolest things is to like not play at Ohio State. Like you can say you went to Ohio you you were a football player at Ohio State. I know walk-ons who, like, who walked on at
0: Ohio State, and, like, they act like – uh, I have a friend. Like, he literally acts like such a Ohio State football player that it's ridiculous. Like, it's – we it – it's such a – like, the day that um the field's, like, announcement came out that he was transferring to Ohio State. Yeah. Like, he was blowing up our group chat. We got him. We <laughs> got him. We – and it's like, you are not on the team anymore. Yeah. Like, it's not a we. They got Ohio They
1: Ohio State got Justin Fields. But, yeah, like, it's cool to be
0: able to play for Ohio State. That's a cool thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's not like Chris Chuganoff was going to throw 60 touchdown passes at West Virginia. You know, like, no. Will Greer was there. You know, like, it's I, like, I think a lot of guys, if you make, like, a reasonable decision about, like, I'm probably not going to be the starter anywhere, then mm-hmm. it's like, where do I want to not, where do I want to sit? Ohio State's a pretty good place to sit. Yeah. They have like a really nice weight room and they have a smoothie bar. And like smoothie. everybody loves the football team. And most of those guys can probably get a grad uh, assistant job somewhere yeah. when they're done. So I don't know personally for sure if he wants to be in coaching, but there you can do a lot of things. That that Ohio State is is in the top 5 in the country. Man, that must be an interesting story except I don't know how you'd write it, but like the best colleges to the, never play at the here, if you want to bench warm, this yeah. is where you go. The best college for top five bench warming w- schools in the country, and that's where Urban Meyer would tell you all this real life Wednesday stuff and everything factors into stuff like that. He would yeah. tell you we're the number one place for bench warmers because we're going to get you a job after college and we're going to give you all this other. I would love stuff. to hear him say we are the number
0: one place for bench warmers. I work on that. I want. I I want a coach to say that
1: Peter Kapotsky. Capot, capo, Kapastity? I don't know. Pete Capo. That's better. Pete Capo is his Twitter handle. Sorry, Pete. I have a last name that's hard to pronounce, and I didn't mean to do that to yours. Should we be looking for a more JT Barrett-like first season, good downfield passing, use the option, make plays as needed with legs, or something akin to what Oklahoma State has done, spread wide, short passes, almost ignoring the run, or does state of the defense dictate offensive goals? One thing that I mean, Bill Anderson and I talked about this forever. And maybe we'll get to a series on this at some point. Is like the difference in spreads. Like spread offenses are very different. Um, Ohio State last year was more of that sort of Big 12 spread, where you spread it out and throw the short, quick stuff. The Urban Meyer spread is not that spread at all. I think you're looking more like JT. Couple deep downfield passes. Use your legs. Like I don't think, I don't think you want the ball out of Justin Fields' hands. Like to to utilize short passes and have him never running is not. It's contrary to all the stuff we just talked about. I think
0: year one more like JT. Year two, I think a combination of both and
1: a happy medium. But I do think I think uh, between those two, in, in terms of like almost ignoring the run, I would be no. shocked if they no. almost ignore the no. run. No. Quantran, our guy. Super TBQ, how has the locker room been reacting to feel to any animosity from those who were recruited with Tate? If I remember correctly, Tate was instrumental in the recruiting of many guys in that recruiting class. Um, don't know. I do feel like he sort of got like the blessing of Dwayne Haskins, which is like if Dwayne Haskins is sitting with you at the basketball game, if you're Dwayne Haskins guy, I bet you're pretty good with most of the guys in that locker room.
0: Yeah, and it seems like with Tate, a lot of the guys he still kind of keeps in contact with are like guys who are no longer here like Mike Weber Uh, they were tweeting at each other a couple days ago but I mean mean, it's your quarterback at the end of the day and I think one of the okay And talking to Mitch Mustaine kind of name dropping here um who was a former five-star recruit one of the first people to like as a five star recruit literally transferred nine months after he got to a school um some of the hardest parts is simply because like you're pretty much a freshman again and he he He's a 2018 guy, but he's really a 2019 guy for Ohio State. So he's kind of going through that whole process again. So, because a lot of those 2018 guys have already been here. So, like, he's he's probably building better relationships with, like, Garrett Wilson and Zach Harrison and Harry Miller and
1: those guys more than, like, anybody
0: in his actual, like, graduating class.
1: And again, we're just watching the show. It seems like he's a guy who will get along with people. Yeah. I I don't think he seems like a difficult guy to get along with. No. He kind of, he had a quote. Man, I I was writing some stuff down. It's like I made notes to myself to talk about on the podcast, and then I didn't read anything. But but there is one thing I wanted to say. He had a quote in that series. um, And he said, I thought it was good. I thought it was an interesting quote. Um, I can't remember it. Should I not write it down? It was something about how people like, oh, the, he said this, the guys that I see that are good, it seems like people like the humble guys that are good, that he wants to be good, but he seems to acknowledge the fact that fans and teammates and coaches appreciate guys who are good and don't talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So, he knows he's coming in as a five-star. He's basically stole a job from a guy that had been recruited with a bunch of guys on the team. He's not being handed the job, but like he is being handed the job. Matthew Baldwin would have to have a 100% completion percentage in the spring to take no. this job from Justin Fields. So, like, you don't want to come in and say, you want to play like the man? You don't want to say you're the man. Unlike Haskins, who was probably, walk, who
0: so beautifully walked that fine line of cocky and confident, Justin
1: Fields doesn't have to do that because we, the media, are going to do that for him. True. For the next two years. So he doesn't need to say a word. Nope. And I don't think he will. That would be my guess. I don't think that's, it doesn't seem like it will be hard for him to behave that way. Yeah. It seems like he has some of that natural inclination. Uh, I think we might end with a A. Ron. I'll check for a couple more maybe. But he's our guy, 937. Aaron, you guys talked a lot last week about the carries. How many carries is too many for Fields with their lack of depth at the quarterback spot? Do they try to convince Fields to not scramble as much? How much does that hurt his ability to be successful? So we kind of delved into that a lot. The one part of that we didn't talk about is... Is there any consideration of there's only three quarterbacks in the Mm -hmm. room? You wrote about the QB room on Tuesday. People should go read that. If he gets hurt, Matthew Baldwin, who was a second-year guy in college who has never played is coming in. And then your backup's in. Does does that factor into anything uh, when we're talking about these decisions about scrambling, the money decision, the instinct decision, all that, how much of that from the coaching standpoint is you can't get
0: hurt? I think that's what kind of goes to my point of like forcing him to like overstay in the pocket early on against these lower talented teams, for that exact reason of the last thing you want is you play Florida Atlantic and it's like the third quarter and it's probably his last night his last series of the day because you're up by fifty and he gets hurt because he took off when he probably shouldn't have taken off and he probably just should have gotten rid of the ball. So I think it's that's part of the reason why they're going to emphasize and probably. Kind of suggests that he o- he overstays in the pocket early on to to work on that muscle memory because of one he needs to learn how to do it anyway
1: two they really can't afford for him to get hurt yeah I mean I think it's you, you can't like live that way you can't live in fear um, of getting hurt but there needs to be an understanding you be smart. yeah yeah all right so Scott Duda. Uh, Is the quarterback room still doing the wrong name thing as a nickname? In that JT Barrett, when he was here, he called Joe Burrow John and he called Dwayne Haskins Ross. Um, And if so, what would Fields' name be? What is the reason for this? Just because JT Barrett was like being the mean old quarterback and calling the younger quarterbacks by the wrong name. But uh, I doubt they're doing it. But if they are, at the end of this QB One thing, they had like a cookout after Justin Fields broke his finger, and they had a guy who was, they had a whole pig, and this guy was like the chef carving up the pig, and he said the most like delicious part of the pig is the eyeball, and he's like, so I know who wants to eat this eyeball, come on up, Jason Fields. And this chef kept calling Justin Fields Jason like five times during the episode, but he also made him eat a pig's eyeball. Which I think is
0: worse than the name thing, because like... I mean, the name the thing is just... I don't know. It just seems, like, really corny. Like, is there, like, a reason why he chose Ross and John? Uh, not to my knowledge. Okay. Like, if there's a reason, it's it can be funny. But, like, just, like, you're calling a guy Ross whose name is Dwayne. That's just kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it's just JT doing his thing. All right, bro. Um. All right. So, I think we covered a lot of the other questions. We appreciate you guys sending all these. Uh, oh, the one... Charlie McQuillan at Y-Town Westsider said... But well, we'd be seeing Justin Fields in the number one jersey. Um, Johnny he he Dixon wore it last year. Jeffrey Okuda wears it on defense. It's open game. He said he wants it. He did say he wants it? Yeah. I mean, he rocked that one. He had like a one headband along yeah. with them. I mean, he seems pretty dedicated to that one. And I would give it to him if he wants it. I don't hear him. I just haven't heard about another like person possibly wanting that jersey. So Someone did want it. Johnny Dixon, I can't remember who it was. Was he? Like having- another receiver was jockeying for it. I can't remember who. It might have been Olave. No, Olave wants... Um, no, was it Olave? No,
0: he wants Dwayne's number. Oh, 17. seven? I'm pretty sure he wants seven. Okay.
1: Which yeah. is a weird number for a wide receiver, but I, okay. I would expect you'll see Justin Fields in one. Uh, Nathan Copp. We have a couple more, actually, that are good. Walter, the Buckeye47, said, Fields ran a lot of Georgia more than I thought. Can he be a pocket QB? I, I mean, I think we. He, he can be. It's It's... How much do you want him to be? Yeah. I mean, it's gonna that is going to be an interesting question over the next two years. Um, Nathan Cop, our guy at Cop Nathan, will Justin Fields' Buckeye career be better than Braxton Miller's? Whoo! Um, like that is a fascinating because it's like how do you like Braxton Miller was like the best player in the Big Ten, but he lost
0: Clemson in an Orange Bowl, he lost to Michigan State in a Big Ten championship game.
1: Um, the year they won the national championship he was hurt. They won they went undefeated in two thousand twelve, yeah, but like they but won the Purdue count. game after he got hurt yeah. and came out. Um so I think
0: here's what I'll say about Braxton. I think Braxton is the most exciting player Ohio State has had in my lifetime. Um it Maurice Clarette is probably up there, but he obviously like did some things that kinda ruined his Ohio State career. But I think he's the most exciting player. I don't know if like he's had a, a, I don't know when you look at like where he's at on like greatest careers as far as like, like he was exciting to watch, obviously, and he's primetime television, but he didn't really accomplish a lot. So I don't think it'll be as hard as like maybe it seems like it should be like just off like the top of your head to like have a better career than Braxton Miller did. Now would his career be more exciting? Probably not. Braxton Miller came back against Virginia Tech and pressed the B button and was to the house. I don't know if like Justin Fields is just that exciting, but to have a better
1: career. I mean, J.C. Barrett technically had a better career than Braxton Miller did. I mean, J- Braxton Miller, they did—they were 24-0 to start Urban Meyer's career with they Braxton were. Miller as a quarterback. But but in 2012, through no fault of his the own, they couldn't win any kind of championship. Yeah. In 2013, right when it was all right there, they lose they to lost. Michigan State, then they lose to Clemson. And then the 2011 season, which was another season as a quarterback, was it's just the dark a mess. Um, I mean, it's it, 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 as you were saying, it depends like wh- how you define best. Is it championships? Is it number of wins? Is it stats? Is it just what was exciting to watch? Part maybe? of it is that. I mean, Part of it is like how do people do people talk about you? Oh man, Braxton Miller, I remember when. So Braxton Miller is pretty high on the list of the I remember when kind of stuff. I think Braxton Miller, what's going to define him is.
0: Imagine if he hadn't have got hurt in 2014. Yeah, I think which is like a what if, and like I don't, I don't necessarily like living in the what if space of like, because it didn't happen. Like, right. if I was six nine with a unibrow, I'd be Anthony Davis. But I'm not Anthony Davis, and he didn't. He got hurt in 2014, so I think that's what mostly defines his career is what if he didn't get hurt. I don't know how. What's a close what if with that? With what Braxton Miller was. I guess it's a good question, maybe.
1: Like who else has that big of a what oh, if in yeah. Ohio
0: State's career in like Ohio State football history?
1: Oh yeah. No, I mean I I don't know off the top of my head. I mean I know I know what you're saying. It's um I don't know. I, that'd be a good one. The biggest what ifs Ohio? You know, write that down for the summer for a summer story. I, I will say part of it is um Justin Fields is gonna have two years to do this. So for two years, he puts up wins and stats and is exciting. He has a chance to, to really be up there. As we talk about now, it's like you're trying to figure out where Dwayne Haskins fits, fits in the list of best Ohio State quarterbacks. And where J.T. Barrett is like at the end of J.T. Barrett's career, I said I guess he's probably the number two Ohio State quarterback of all time behind Troy Smith. Mm-hmm. But then it's like J.T. Barrett was the second best Ohio State quarterback of all time, but like he wasn't as good as Dwayne Haskins. But he right. did it for five years, and Dwayne Haskins did it basically for one year. Like it's you got to
0: get a a, a a consistent like rating
1: scale of how we're going to do this. Like I, Justin Fields has a shot to do some stuff that people will never forget. If he is close to what we're talking about, he can put up stats. He can put up wins. He can win awards. Mm-hmm. He can put them in national title contention. And he can do some things that people are going to shake their heads at and never forget. We'll end with our poll. Put this up on Monday. Stephen did. What are your expectations for Justin Fields in 2019? Leading with 48% of the vote. Heisman candidate and national championship contender. The pressure is on. Second with 41%. Decent first year with one or two losses. So below that is everything worse. So like... Yeah. Being like either good or really really good is 89 percent of the vote yeah so like the expectations are very high average season with two or more losses is seven percent complete bust two percent needs a year to learn the offense so there's a down year for ohio state is two percent i might actually vote for that like, that's last? Part of me wants to,
0: like, explain that. Because I think when people see down year, they're thinking, like, Ohio State's going to go full Michigan mode.
1: Like, they're not going to go 6-6. Six six. I mean, yeah. They're not going to do that.
0: Down year just means, like, they're probably not a title contender this year. Um, It looks decent, and, like, there's hope for the future. Yeah. That, like, we've had this conversation about what a down year for Ohio State looks like. Right. That's three losses.
1: Three losses is absolutely a down year. Yeah. And depending what the losses are... Ohio State's so good that you could characterize two losses as a down year. yeah, so it's it's
0: maybe it's just because of the order it is on the poll because it literally went from the mo- the greatest thing that happened to like the worst thing maybe that needed to be like the middle part um but yeah, it's not a, if it's a down if they lose two games this year, but then they come back next year and and he's a you know a heisman finalist a, a early season Heisman favorite and then Ohio state goes undefeated and wins the national championship and he wins the Heisman. I don't think anybody's going
1: to be upset that they had a bit of a down year the year before. And, and again, it depends what a down year is. And also, it's not only Justin Fields' year; it's Ryan Day's first year as a head coach. Yursich, a um, whole new defensive staff, safety Larry Johnson. Like, there's a lot of people who this is their first year, and it's hard to be your best in your first year. And it like does not mean anyone's a failure. It just means sometimes there are bumps. It's best
0: especially with most of these guys in their first year, also have, like, first-year players. Like, Tony obviously, Tony Albert obviously got J.K. Dobbins back, and he's got Demar McCall, who was here, but his main guy is Justin Fields, who wasn't here. Um, the, Larry Johnson's got a good portion of his lineback. Um, the DBs and the linebackers are probably not going to completely look the same as they were last year. So, yeah, I mean, two losses wouldn't be bad for them.
1: There's a, there's a lot up in the air. So you can't you can't put it all on Justin Fields for sure. But I think in the end, um, after our analysis, uh, in the end we would say, pretty good. Yeah, he's really good.
0: You guys check him out.
1: Two hours and 15 minutes to get to, uh, yeah, pr- pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, good, not Dwayne Haskins, better in 2020 than in 2019. More running more justin fields running in the offense i think than we talked about last week um a couple bumps early great passing ability uh interesting how it will work into the ryan day offense so i'll be at the nfl combine this week i'll have some ohio state stuff coming with that i'll be doing a lot of brown stuff but also there's 10 guys there i don't know if i'll, try, if I'll get to talk to all 10 i'll definitely do something on dwayne haskins um so we'll have some of that coming We have um, more of our Justin Fields week coming. Steven's Big Story on Thursday, talking to Mitch Mustaine and talking about highly ranked quarterbacks in the recent past, how many transferred, what happened to them, and guys who who can relate to the Justin Fields situation. We'll come back with your comments on Justin Fields on Friday. Again, next week, starting spring practice. We'll have some more preview stuff with that. So it is getting busy. The Buckeyes are winding down in basketball, looking like they're going to make the tournament. Um, Some more coverage coming there. And thanks, as always, to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk, even the people who say things that hurt our feelings. (laughs) So from my fresh-smelling basement, for Stephen Means, I'm Doug LaMaurice, and that was a Justin Fields Buckeye Talk.